The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds, 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh my God, it's early. Rob Thompson. You don't believe the other way in transition to the oh, left hand oh. slam. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. It's R&R in the morning, a Wednesday edition. You know why I know that? <laughs> I have an idea. I got it out. Got the uh, trash out. Welcome to San Antonio Sports Stars R&R. <laughs> He's Rudy. I'm Rob, hence the R's, easy E on the other side of the double pane. Go to your YouTube channel, watch us live if you can. Follow us on the socials as we have been ordered to tell you. It's also a good follow as well. We're doing yeah. all kinds of crazy new video stuff. You see that Minix thing where you're sitting in front of a video now? We're doing fancy stuff now. I've been doing that for a long time. That's San Antonio Sports. Ryan did that for him, but yeah, I've been, I've been doing that for a long time. Have you? Yeah, but it's on. I do it on Instagram, so you're not going to see it that much. All right, you I'll, did it first. Sorry. No, I didn't, you didn't do it first. I didn't do it first. The Instagram world did it first. But I, I just <laughs> saw Minix yesterday for yeah, the first time. I liked it. Where, yeah, it's cool. It's like you just put the graphic up there, the green screen, and then rolled the vid. I like it, too. And he's standing on what he saw, the athletic, saying the Cowboys. Well, someone from the athletic, I forget the gentleman's name, saying the Cowboys are going to have the number one defense. Well, they said more than that. They're yeah. talking legendary. <laughs> oh, yeah, all, yeah, all time. I, I ain't going to go that far. But they definitely could be the number one defense this year, possibly. Right? Why not? Predicted by the Athletics' Robert Mays. We like the Athletic. We like John Mishota. I guess we like Robert Mays, too. <laughs> Legendary Chicago Bears and 2000 Ravens and Legion of Boom. Well, there's a... I guess the, the chance is huge, and I think that when you put that as the precursor to everything when you talk about the Cowboys... That is, they come into the season despite the offense, despite whatever you want to talk about. They're going to have a defense that's going to erase a lot of mistakes. If everything plays through, that the defense will protect you if you were to do something weird. Especially if they, if they, find, if they find a way to stop the run, which was their only weakness last year. Yeah, I think they definitely could be top three, possibly number one. In about 15 minutes, we do have some tough news regarding that uh, run-stopping part of the defensive line. There's a guy that missed practice yesterday. We'll tell you who it was and why. No sin nudes undies. Little uh little concerning, but this is about nah. the time this is about the time when rookies start getting a little <laughs> little sore. You know? Everybody. Well Everybody. I mean rookies, this is their first one. Yeah. I'll never forget watching uh, uh Tristan Hill. Remember him? We had to cut him last oh, year. Oh yeah 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 yeah. About third practice no it's first no first padded practice. He pat he walked he was walked out all cramped up and you know this is this is not good this is going to be trouble and he didn't last hmm. I'm not saying anything about him but rookies this is about the time second third week the drudgery knees a little sore here it comes getting your ass kicked well there's a lot of that but um, Mozzie uh, 
I was going to tease it to later, but uh, he was held out. There's an MRI there. We'll talk about it. Biotish, uh, a center, uh, rolled an ankle. Where and, is Pigeon uh, Forge, said. Tennessee? Pigeon Forge. It is uh, as it would be. I, I was going to say it's a vacation place, man. That's oh, where it? like Dollywood's way up there. That's like it's a beautiful part of the world. Well, shout out to Jack Vincent. He's on vacation. He's Uh, on vacation watching us. Oh wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, man. Shout out to you, Jack Vincent. The uh, you doing up this early on vacation? Well, he's Tennessee. It's an hour later. Oh, we're up. Yeah, seven a.m. Sun's rising in the Smoky Mountains. I'd like to be in the Smoky Mountains right about now. I don't think it's going to be one hundred and five there. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot of Dallas Cowboys, and we might have a separator in the running back. RB2 situation. Definitely. I mean, well, McCarthy spoke about all three when you talk about Dowdle and Malik and Lil Deuce Deuce. But one guy kind of stood out to me from what I listened to. He he spoke glowingly about all three, but there was one particular thing he said that kind of makes me feel like there's a guy that could possibly be slightly in the lead. I was talking to the guys in New Mexico, Albuquerque yesterday. They were talking about Cowboy Camp. And, uh, one of the one of the it was brought up, and this is probably something we need to take account of. If you got three running backs that can all make plays, and it appears yesterday when they were heavy on the run, or day before yesterday when they're heavy on the run, that all three had their own little breakouts, little catches, a nice run, whatever it might be. The separator is going to be pass protection, right? That's going to be what keeps you in the game. If you can all run, and so you think, how much can Deuce protect protect in the pass? So it ain't going to be him. And that was Tony Pollard's weakness. So that's why Zeke. That's a big reason why Zeke got a lot of those reps last season because he was a much, 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 much better pass protector than Tony Pollard. And well, Zeke, one of the best in the NFL, uh, yeah, really, for sure. really has yeah. been. But the uh, maybe Dowdle, that's the separation. Maybe the best going to be the Malik thing. But you get the sense that maybe it's not running the ball, but how you protect your your QB one that keeps you in the game. We talked yesterday a lot about the. Uh, uh, Aggie situation with um, Petrino and inside the house, outside the house, and the expectations of him calling the plays. Well, Brent Zerneman joined the Blitz the other day. I heard it, and he he kind of kind of let me know, like, man, nothing's a secret amongst Aggies, because he said to me, he said what you've been telling me. You know, I I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a great interview, but a lot of what he said was what you were already telling me, like, hey, one interview and. Shocked that he's, you know, everybody's playing nice. I was like, okay, I've heard all of this. I heard it all, you know, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. for about a couple weeks now. So, yeah, but it was a great interview still. I think we're all still kind of battered Aggies. No, you're bad you know at Aggies. What I mean on the inside. Yeah. So we all kind of have the same perspective. But I, I think you could have got, I think they could have interviewed you. Well, <laughs> it was the same answers. I think we have the same sources. Okay. You know what I mean? I think we're, I think we're hearing from the same group of guys just uh, on different days. The um, we, we haven't talked a lot about the NBA lately. That's because we've been busy. And Wimby's been hiding from us. Yeah, he's been, you know, he asked for a vacay and he went away. <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm going to go away. And he, he ain't lying. He went away, away. Good, good. You, you heard from him? You seen him? No. How, you, how do you hide at 7'3"? He, he's not 7'5". Oh no, he's a, he's a, he might only he might have shrunk. He might only be six eleven now. He just tells me he's out the country, somewhere somehow. But as we were paying attention to football and to Shohei Otani and everything else, and the it, Rangers and the Rangers seven straight baby eight, coming from eight, oh eight straight eight. coming from behind last night and Scherzer's uh, going seven, only three hits, only one run. That might be the yeah. He does have a ring. Yeah, I, it's amazing. We were talking. 
pre pre show how quickly things can turn in a baseball team because the season's a lifetime. Seven straight, and and leave it to my media bandwagon asset. Uh, Tim, Rob, Jason, if they make a run, <laughs> we got to go up to Globe Life. <laughs> That's the worst. I think once it once I think it once it gets, it gets truly onto the bandwagon time, our our attention will truly have shifted. The NBA, well, the Lakers, dude, uh, you know we, just, we're in the sixty million dollar range. It is here we go. I remember when we got to twenty. Anthony Davis signs an ex, an extension for about one hundred and eighty three million dollars. Uh, Max, he could get. They gave it to him very quietly, despite everything, and we'll l- delineate that. But and we'll have a deeper question as we look at the Anthony Davis uh, pay. Over the last five years, he's one of those significant moves in the league that truly sure. shifted power. Took a ring, got a ring in the L- bubble. Well, I mean, it's a ring. I'm, I'm <laughs> the further and further away I get from that one, I'm b- putting a bigger and bigger asterisk. But right now, it's still a ring, and. Uh, well, look at the other what ifs around the NBA. What could have, what should have, made, what was, and here we sit. Anthony Davis is now hundred and eighty-three million dollars for about forty-two yeah, games. So you got, week, I think you got season. Dame, you got Jalen, you got Anthony. I think those are the only sixty million dollar guys right now. But the rest are on the way. I, I I can remember when they started handing out twenty a year, and I was like, whoa. Then it creeped up to thirty, and then I saw John Wall and Russell Westbrook get forty. Then I saw Dame get fifty. Now we're like, oh, here's 60. You know, Jason Tatum's next. When Dame got it and when Tatum gets it, you go, well, you know, that's just it. You know, that's no just choice. the league. Yeah. When Anthony Davis gets it from the Lakers, you know, like, that dude only plays about half the time. But when he does play, they're really good. When he feels like it. When See, he feels like it. Problem, exactly. Man. When he feels like it, they're really, really tough to beat. The, but Joker swept him. Yes. So what do you get for getting swept? By the back-to-back MVP, here's eighty, a hundred and eighty-three million. <laughs> That's crazy, <laughs> man. We'll That's look around crazy. the rest of the league. Spark, <laughs> excuse Uh-oh. me. Sportrack has listed the Southwestern Conference, all the financial moves and wherewithals around the NBA, and listed a, a couple of things where the Spurs sit. And then we'll talk. We'll look at what they see the Spurs needing to get taken care of as training camp begins here in just a little over uh, about eight weeks or so. Uh, point guard being primary there. The college f- football world continues to kind of teeter. Nothing really happened yesterday. It doesn't mean anything won't happen today. We're looking, uh, we looked west, the ACC looking west. We'll talk that. But really, we're going to hear from Greg Sankey, who is the commissioner of the SEC. And I don't know if he is the reason for all this. He's certainly the part SEC. He is, is cert- a part of it. Yeah. He's, and I don't know if you blame or you offer thanks. I don't know how you quantify where Sankey is in the world, but. Where we are is primarily because of him. But the feeling I'm starting to get from Sankey, and I would probably be the same, he's he's walking around and sounding in interviews like he's not just the commissioner of the SEC. He sounds, it's some of the stuff he says, he sounds like the commissioner of college football. Like, hey, you know, well, we got to look at the Western side. And, yeah, we're the reason why this is all happening. And, yeah, I'm trying to help out the other commissioners. I'm like, wait a minute. Who, who, who do you think you are, Sankey? You think you're the commissioner of all of college football? Because that's what you're sounding like. And I probably would be, too. Well, you know, it's interesting because that's one of the issues that we're talking about here is the the commissions, the, the, the conferences now are really their own entity. I mean, there's really no overarching. There's an NCAA thing, but who the hell cares about that? You know what I mean? That 
as things shake out, we might just see conferences go, you know what, we're our own thing. Y'all just go away. And when you hear Sankey talk about Western football, what the hell are you talking about? Western football came to us. We tried to go to them, and maybe we should address the the uh, playoff. There's issues here. Yeah, it's, it's weird to hear him say Western football like it's gone. Like, look, I know USC is in the Big Ten, but last time I checked, the actual school is still in California. So just because there's no Pac-12 doesn't mean there's not Western football. Their, USC has the Heisman, and they have a good chance to be in the playoff this year with Caleb Williams if he can duplicate what he did last year. So I get what the the concept of Western football, but a lot of those Western teams are still playing football, Sankey. But half the time they're going, <laughs> they're going over the Rockies <laughs> more than yeah. half of the time. Well, the college football is just crazy, and then you go to the college. I love it. You go to college football, and it's everybody chasing the money. You go to pro football, and you got professional athletes complaining that their coach is too hard on them. Uh, the, uh, Washington Commanders. Ron Rivera yesterday had an interesting conversation regarding his offensive coordinator, and you know what? I, I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. I'm not there. I'm not there. We, we're going to hear from the uh, coach in question, Eric Bieniemy. Whenever you're around somebody who speaks of themselves in the third person, I'm not around them. <laughs> no, I don't hang out with anybody I, I, that speaks in the third person. I, I don't even know what to do when they do that. Yeah, I so, may do it today, just in honor of Eric Bieniemy. So, uh, what does Rudy J think? Well, Rudy J is going to tell you next. <laughs> Yeah, Rudy J going to let you know what these commanders, their problem is and why they've sucked the last 10 years. Can't blame Daniel us. Snyder anymore. Too hard on us, coach. And then they went and snitched instead of – no, well, we'll get to them. Hey, let's talk some football. I don't know what to make of what we're going to talk about next, but Micah Parsons is a brilliant, brilliant person and a great football player what he had to say about his middle linebacker might be the linchpin to that belief that not only is this defense for the cowboys the best in the nfl it might be the best the cowboys have had since the super bowl that's what they're talking about we'll try to figure out if that's true or not micah has a belief as to who the mvp of the d is and it has three initials and lve are them we'll talk about them next it's r and r you're on 94 one san antonio sports star Good morning, everybody. Jason Minnix here from the Blitz. Starting at 2 o'clock today, we will have the latest from Cowboys training camp in Oxnard. React to what we saw last night on Hard Knocks, the Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix. And Rob Thompson, you are proof that not everybody in Aggieland wakes up with $100,000 under their mattress. Not everyone. Not them. Well, you know, some of us do. Well, if you win the Heisman. Well, if you win the Heisman. And you win, you beat Alabama. There's that. You beat Alabama, I'll give you 100000 It doesn't take that to get 100000 at A&M. <laughs> <laughs> you can be a wow. backup tackle and you're getting wow. 100K. Uh, let's be real about the money we're talking about, and uh, that would not be uncommon. But I, I missed the Johnny thing last night. I can't wait to watch well, it. I wanted to set aside time. Well, Pledger had hit us up in our WhatsApp, and he was like, hey, Minix, I'm almost positive. It was him. They were using Minix's clips from you talking with him and you covering him back in the Time Warner High School football days. Those and Minix was like, yes, me. <laughs> he said know? twice. And that was Kerrville football when, when Jason Minix, he of the Blitz, was working for the – remember Time Warner? Time Warner yeah. 
a high school football broadcast. Well, Jason Minnick sat yes. in on it. And, you know, Jason will tell you, he's just about the best high school football player you've ever seen. There, look, there's a few guys that stand out to me high school-wise from this area. What Johnny was doing in high school was just flat-out stupid in a good way. <laughs> flat-out stupid. Who is the best high school football player you ever saw? Malcolm Brown comes to mind. Ooh, big old boy, yeah. Um, kid out of Clark. This is just high school. Kid out of Clark. He ended up going to UT. Running back? Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Grady? No. Uh, Jarrell Wilkerson? Yes. Wilkerson. I don't remember. I remember the name. I don't remember. I don't think I ever saw him. Yeah, Jarrell Wilkerson. He was a, mo- he was a monster. There's a, there's a few. I'm an, I mean, I'm hell, age. Frank. Frank was doing crazy stuff at Clemson. There's a lot of guys, dude. I don't want to leave anybody out. I'll be honest. I always thought Frank was a better basketball player. I'll be truthful. I always thought. I mean, he was. Oh, he could hoop. Yeah. For me, uh, in San Antonio anyway, Jared Douglas. Gerard Douglas. Oh, my God. Yeah, Gerard Douglas was one for sure. Those were those legendary Judson teams. Yeah. And there was no touching him, man. I, I watched him get like 400 yards one game. Yeah, Gerard Douglas definitely comes to mind. And we could go back. That would be we a whole keep, show. We yeah, could we spend all going. day talking yeah. about the guys that we've seen. I have to do that one day. Micah Parsons is the best player on the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. He might very well be the best player in all the NFL. He might very well be the very best defensive player in the NFL. Easy sure. there, buddy. But I'm just saying, we're talking about it. There's 10 dudes in the NFL that we can put in those sentences. I think he came in at 11. On the top 100. Wow, is it 11? Yeah, I want to say he I came got in a at 11. bone to pick with the pickers there. But that, that, no, the players. <laughs> I'd like to see you. Well, anyway. Yeah, go ahead. When that guy points to another guy and says he's the most important guy here, that tells me a lot about what's going on on that side of the ball. Micah says that Leighton Van Der Esch is the most important piece to this defense. He sure did. Uh, he told Todd Archer. Uh, Aren't Arnold more than his own, Todd Archer. Yeah, he sat with us yesterday. He must have gone and done the interview right afterwards. Yeah. He said, what he put, he puts into the game can't be replicated. Got a chance. He said he had a chance to work with Sean Lee. Now, Sean Lee's a Penn State Nittany Lion. So, of course, you know, Parsons may be a little partial to Sean. There's but that, yeah. Every bit of his game <laughs> reminds me of it, how he, runs, how he runs to the ball, aggressive. It just asserts everyone. And what's crazy about that, he's one of those guys because he was – I saw him at camp every practice after practice was doing a scrum, and nobody's coming up. Nobody's nobody's bothering him. Who, Leighton? Yeah. Because he's, he's just, old news. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. There's not one microphone in LVE's face after practice. The Wolf Hunter is no more. He's just another guy. This is this is Micah talking about his dude. Mm, he's the most important piece. Um, that's one person that I was super excited to have back. You talking about someone that knows and commands the defense inside out, making sure everyone's lined up, um, attention to detail. The what what he puts into the game can't be replicated. I mean, he got a chance to work with Sean Lee, and I just felt like Sean Lee just rubbed off on him. Every bit of his game just reminds me of how he runs to the ball, his aggressiveness, how he just asserts everyone, gets everyone lined up, his willingness to move around. I mean, learn is learning the pass rush now. Believe it or not, he is no more. A rundown linebacker. He's a pass rusher. So, you know, huh? uh, seeing Layton's growth, having him back, seeing what he's been adding to our defense, been just extraordinary. Uh, we've had a chance to meet with Sam. Um, I can't stress enough how much that mattered to me when I heard Micah talk about his the middle linebacker. He's their quarterback. Yes, I get that. 
And for a guy that could take all the glory, Micah could be the black hole of fame. He could take every bit of it and and deserve every bit of it and be given every accolade and doesn't have to give anything to anybody. There's that. Leighton could just come to work and do his job. He didn't expect that. But for when you're the superstar said that's the most important dude, that tells me what Dan Quinn has going on in this in this defense. This and that alone, despite the Trayvon and Gilmore and Parsons and all and D Law and Mozzie and all that, that tells me more about the quality of the defense than the actual talent of the team. Oh, look at you. You feel I, I, I feel love some, that. Yeah, I, I know. I feel some giddiness coming well, from I do. that side I, as of the, I, room. The, the coach in me, when I hear a player, the star player, give credit to a dude that didn't necessarily ask for it almost and actually I, deserves it. You know, well, I mean? almost wouldn't. I didn't know if there it was. Remember, there was questions last year after the season. Well, okay, they're going to bring LVE back, and then they brought him back at a huge discount. By mm-hmm. the way, you know, considering what Mike, where Micah feels about him, and if Micah feels that way about him, I'm sure the rest of the defense does too. Uh Jerry got over. <laughs> kind of did. Kind of did. Saved some money and kept everybody happy at the same time. But, you know, two years ago, we knew the value of a Leighton Van Der Esch. Yeah, they, I when think, he wasn't good. Um, when he was hurt. Yeah, that we was. We missed him. I think that's been the only thing that everybody's, you know, availability. And therein lies the rub, right? Yeah. Let's talk about Mozzie. Precautionary, Rob. All precautionary. Nothing to see here. Anytime Nothing to see I here, Rob. see MRI, <laughs> I get a little nervous. I'll just leave it there. Nothing to see here, Rob. I'll just leave it there. It's just, man, again, I'm going to go back to what I said yesterday. We're tired of talking about Zach Martin. Let's make something to Maybe this precaution. Maybe that's it. Let's hope. Ah, well, the seriously. thing about it is, and, and this is precautionary when, in the sense of like, okay, this is the guy, even though they won't come out and say it, this is the guy that we drafted to help us stop the run and become, you know, make this not the weakest part of our team. And if he says he's got some knee soreness, we're going to go check it out. <laughs> we're going to rest. Yeah, we're going to check it out. Yeah, like, it's just like, come on now. I get it. I, I You know what? And watching him. But I don't like it so early. Like, why is the knee? Why are your knees already sore? <laughs> you know, there might be that rookiness, like, you know, dude, there, there's college hurt and there's pro hurt. Like this. Yeah, this is college. You're, you're college hurt right now. There's pro hurt. That's coming in a couple weeks. But I don't think we were able to really kind of translate what this cat is like. Oh. What he means. I don't know what he means to the team yet, but he is going to mean a lot to this team just because he's half crazy. Dude, when I, when I, I was sitting there on the sideline with RJ Cho and I was like, dude, he has on white pants. I was like, I think his, he has on red draws because he's standing literally like right in front of me. I'm not seeking out NFL booties. He's literally standing right in front of me, and I'm like, I think his underwear say send nudes. <laughs> and I sent the picture to the WhatsApp, and that day was the same day the Blitz had Micah Parsons on. So they asked him, like, hey, was that, like, hazing? What's going on? And Micah's like, no, that dude's different. Different. <laughs> he was like, he came out to practice in the tub hot, shorts. In the tub shorts. If you don't know what tub shorts are, they're like volleyball for, shorts yeah, for girls. The dudes wear them in the hot tub. Yeah. So he went out to practice. He went out keep to in practice. Mind, him, that's 350 pounds of glory walking around in uh, <laughs> in tub shorts. So he's different, and I think every team needs a different cat like that. So probably the, paints the nails just a little bit out there. You're nothing wrong with that if you can ball. If you can ball, it's cool. Like you know, Dennis Rodman. You know, I remember I heard, heard Michael Jordan say, "Hey, you want Dennis back?" Mike's like, "Yeah, I don't mind his dresses." 
in his hair. <laughs> I don't care. You're like, I don't care if when, you can play. Just show up on Do time. all that stuff if you want to. Dye your hair, paint your nails, wear kilts. But you better ball out on Sundays. Now, uh, yesterday we had Todd Archer on, and he said, you know, the one thing we should all be worried about that Dude, nobody's talking about. Spoke, Todd Archer spoke that into existence, man. Backup center. And no sooner, than, I bet it was less than an hour after we talked to Archer, Tyler Biotis rolls an ankle. And they, won't, they wouldn't let him back into practice. I can't imagine. I wasn't there, but I don't know who took the rest of the snaps oh, the rest of the day. Can, was Zach not there? Everybody just kind of stopped and went, oh, because I, I, I'll never forget the feeling. When uh, Travis Frederick got sick? Well, when, when, when Frederick was walking off and couldn't feel his feet, that was, right. a, that was a weird day. But when uh, Kellen broke his leg and you knew something had happened on the other side of the right. field and it kind of rippled like a pond, like a, like a, a little, st- a little stone pebble. in a pond. Yeah. And you didn't know what it was. I have a feeling when Beatus rolled over, everybody went. <gasps> Todd, and I was like, you know, I never thought about it until Todd told us that yesterday. And then, damn. As soon as we hang up, Beatus gets rolled up on. <laughs> uh, Rudy Gonzalez. No, man. Uh, tub, tub shorts, shorts. Are Dudes don't wear bloomers. They wear tub shorts. Chicks wear culottes. Dudes wear long shorts. I haven't heard culottes since like '98, bro. I know. I think I don't know if the culottes are. Still, I don't know if that's still a thing. culottes. Like I haven't heard culottes in like 20 years. Like I don't know. Culottes are still a thing. <laughs> they were in the mid 2000s. I saw a lot of basketball teams wearing them. Yeah, culottes were back. So Biotis rolls an ankle. Oh yeah, probably not. Practice terrifying. was a disaster yesterday. It, it was. Um, it. It was kind of a mixed bag. We had a lot of interceptions. We're going to talk about what yeah. Dak did yesterday. And also, as it was uh, the ongoing competition for RB2, it was a good time to highlight who they could do as yeah. Tony Pollard had missed some practice time. We'll talk about what McCarthy had to say about one particular back. Glory about all of them, but one in particular sounds like it might be the dude. That's Cowboy talking. It's coming your direction. This is R&R. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning to you. Top of the morning to all. Hey, go uh, follow our YouTube uh, channel. Like it. Follow it. And tell a friend, please. Because tomorrow is Hot Ticket Thursday. We do it every Thursday. If we're talking on the 20s, we give away tickets. I don't know what they're going to be tomorrow. They're always good. I was hoping Edwin would dive in and say, we got those. <laughs> no. We didn't get that. You don't even know. Edwin was like, I, I haven't seen them either. Yeah, they're always great. Love them. <laughs> so yesterday's practice, while it was interesting watching running backs try to find themselves a, a backup gig, the real story, I think, three interceptions from Dak? Is that the real story yeah. from yesterday's practice? Two or? by Diggs and one by LVE. Now, I've seen all three interceptions, and none of them were Dak's fault. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not worried. Yeah, you are. And we're yeah, to the are. point now, Rudy, where the offense has, by every measure, really not been equal to the defense. And, you know, in, in training camp, defense is always kind of ahead because, you know, just fly to the ball, you know. But – um uh, uh, is this uh, is this new offense something that we should be worried about because <laughs> it hasn't been working, or is this defense so damn good? It, no matter what the oh, offense does, that, that, now you sound like just Clarence Hill and out. Jason I, I, and I, RJ. I call them as I see. They're them. really good, but keep in mind, 
You have the cleanest pockets you're going to see all year because no one's allowed to touch you. Yeah. So if you're still throwing interceptions with the clean with clean pockets, but the thing about it is you're taking chances, you're working on stuff, you know, like you're cleaning things up. So you're, you're nothing to see here, guy? Because I'm kind of there, too. I'm kind of like, yeah, he threw a couple of INTs. I don't know what a the couple, process behind it was, but three. <sighs> Yeah, he threw three. Look, this is the, the only thing I would say. I'm I'm gonna go nothing to see here since that's our thing. But what if he has the yips? <laughs> Seriously, what if he has the yips? I don't think he does. I think again, I've always said Dak's best uh, best trait is he has amnesia, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm gonna stick to that for now. But. I saw I saw him with my own eyes throw maybe three or four over a couple the week. taps, couple yeah, taps, couple taps, couple taps, back foot. But you know, just in the week that I was there, I saw him throw three or four. And he said, "I guess that trend has continued this week." But again, now these interceptions are like after the whistle's blown. Like there's a lot when you're yeah. there at the practice. Like there's a lot that goes on at practice. Like sometimes the play's already blown dead. He throws it. Next thing you know, it's also on social media that it was an interception, but you can't hear the whistle. You don't know what's like. There's a lot that goes on within a practice. So I know it sounds like I'm making excuses for Dak, but you really do have to have the context and have to be there to see if it was like legit picks. But the ones yesterday, they did make it to the internet. <laughs> they did. And they didn't look good. <laughs> uh, and again, LVE. That was a nice jump for out. Yeah, you well, saw that coming. <laughs> that, and, then, the- and then there's that. They know what's, they know what's coming. No. Trayvon got two and hit the Dion on him. <clears throat> Let me tell you. <laughs> Trayvon hit the Dion Sanders on him. There's a there, say it. There's a swagger there, man. I, I, with who? With the defense. This defense is strutting. Uh, look at him. He's but drinking that's the what Kool-Aid. No, that's what He's scares me. Kool-Aid. Because when you see the defense strutting like that, it does give you the the piece of well, it gives you a safety net. It does. I, I believe that when you know your defense is not going to be scored on. You can do some things you wouldn't normally try, and when you start stretching the rubber band every now and then, it snaps, and you throw the interception, well, and there we go. Yeah, now Micah did run into was that was that recent? Or we was were that there. The other one that was the one we were there. We were there when okay. he rolled up on him. Okay, I thought it was another one. Well, might, it might have been another one. I know that we saw the one last Thursday, Wednesday, when he almost rolled up on him. So it, it, the uh, pockets well. haven't been entirely clean, but but, that, but like you were saying yesterday, Tyron's running about sixty yeah, percent. I mean, he ain't really going. Yeah, he go, not going through the motions, just making sure he gets his work and stays healthy until the real game starts. But let me ask you this, Rob. And then you know, there's you can go to San Antonio Sports Star on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and see uh, Jason Minnick's rant about them by, by Robert Mays by the Athletics saying they could be number one. You really you really think that they could jump San Fran and Philly? Like as a team? No, 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 no. I'm, as a defense? I'm just talking about the defense. I'm just staying on the defense. I think they could get more turnovers. Well, they had the they had yeah. the most turnovers so last I, year. I'll, st- I'll lean on that. That seriously, I think that it depends on how you quantify defenses. Do you want a defense that I think it's never everything. gets turnovers, but nobody gets past the forty? You know what I mean? Or do you want a defense that maybe you might give up a TD or two, but you're going to pull down some ints? I don't know how you want to quantify it. I'm kind of a ball hawking team guy. I'd rather see the turnovers sometimes than the. Uh, the squelching, you know, the defense sits down for 18 minutes as the other 
I, I think I quantify it. No, no, they're not going to be as good. If if Bosa is back, there's more talent, there's more defense there. I think San Francisco is good. Pieces. They're going to be relying right. on rookies. So and, that I, Philly, I think I can make a case that they could jump Philly because Philly lost some pieces and they're going to be relying heavily on rookies. San Fran, and, and again, if you're number two. It's, or three, four. Yeah, that's great. So this this isn't me like trying to pick on the Cowboys. It's just me saying like, we did see this same defense. Last time we saw the San Francisco defense, they were holding Dak Prescott to 12 yeah. points. Yeah. All right. Like, let's be clear. But Dallas has a run stopper now. And the that's Cowboys a, a went and got changer. some speed on the edge to kind of pull those safeties back. Gilmore. and Make Warner take a second thought and maybe Bosa turn his head for just a second. Maybe they can get something done. I, and if that's the only defense that's better than you, Godspeed. Yes. You know? If the only team that you can look up at is San Francisco, then you're doing something as far as defense. If that's the only team you're looking up to, hey, you're doing this pretty is good. A, this is the uh, – is this the listing of – where's the list of the top defenses that Minix was was highlighting? What's the best defense? I'm trying to get the best defense in the AFC. Oh, the best defense in the AFC? Gosh, that's probably going to be a Baltimore. Is it? Is it still Baltimore just yeah. on reputation? It's on reputation. Well, they and- got, I mean, it's still Baltimore. They still Suggs and all those boys. I mean, there is the the aura. But let me see. I have it right here. The it was the Jets. That's right. Yes, of course, it's the Jets. The Jets were no. The Jets had a good defense. They did. They did. No, I'm not. But then the Patriots were three. According to Robert Mays of the Athletic, his prediction is Cowboys, Jets, Patriots, Niners, Bills, Ravens, Steelers, Dolphins, Titans, Texans. It's funny. So how it's top heavy NFC, but everybody else is AFC. Yeah, it's only the Cowboys and 49ers from the NFC. Yeah. That's it. They didn't have he doesn't have Robert Mays who, you know, respect to him. He doesn't have Philly in there and that, that kind of goes probably what back to what I was saying. Mm-hmm. You lost some pieces. They're still good though. I think Mays missed the boat on that one. Philly is still good. That defense is still solid. They didn't lose the guys that mattered. I forgot about the Jets. Yes, that was a good defense. Yeah, that's a good yeah, defense. But what? what but no, no, no. Say, yeah, I, but. Th- this is a different year, and this is a – I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. I, I'd like them – I want the Jets to be good. I do. I, I'm rooting for that team because it'll be fun. If the Jets are good and Aaron's cocky and they're in New York, it'll be a fun year. It will be because I know they're not going to be able to win at all, so there'll be sadness at the end. <laughs> it's still the Jets. Patriots 3. Yeah. According to Robert Mays. And, and, you know, Belichick running it, I think that helps. We, we talked a lot about backup running back over the last couple of days. And while it matters, it, it's not a huge point of contention. There's three dudes that can do it. I think we've all come to the conclusion that whoever they they have at RB2 will spend some time with RB3. But yesterday, McCarthy spoke of one. Well, he spoke about all of them, he spoke quite about frankly. All three, but there was but one. listen to what he said about Rico Dowdle. Uh, all the little things. I think him and Malik are very similar as far as how they, you know, their inside run ability, uh, their ability to, to read blocks, anticipate the second level. So I like that about him. Rico has probably had uh, some of the most impressive pass pro pickups so far there you go. this camp. And, you know, we tend to forget Rico, you know, scored a touchdown on a kickoff return, you know, as a rookie. I mean, he's, you know, his second level running is, I always feel exceptional. I mean, he's a young man that had some injuries he had over, overcome and, um, I think we're just seeing a healthy Rico. Pass pro. I love how they – I love to like the lingo. Yeah. He just can't – like he's too much work to say protection. <laughs> so Rico and the pass pro. Now, that, and honestly, that could be the separator. When you're all kind of mm-hmm. the same as far as running the ball, okay, well, now who's going to keep Dak clean? Yep. Who's going to do the best job of keeping Dak clean? And if 
if he's saying Rico's had the, probably the best camp or best days of doing in the past pro, I want to be cool. In the past pro, Rico probably gets the gig. And then you add in the the kick return, which he's got a history of. But special I got teams help. I got Turpin. I don't need you. I watch Deuce. He ain't kicking. He ain't returning. <laughs> He talked about Deuce I, in the I past. Had, I had three minutes. I yeah. saw three minutes of a of an entire training camp, and I decided in that three minutes, nah, nah, nah. Deuce nah, is nah, good in the past pro, too. No, the, if <laughs> he, he, if he trips over people. He said they all smile watching Deuce in the past pro. Well, you know, if you, you ever play when you play basketball and you go up for a jump shot and a dude dives like he's going to go for your knees. Oh, gosh. You know what I mean? That, that's a, that's I, I don't know if that's still a thing. It was way back when. Yeah. Um. He would have to do that literally in pass pro. You see how I even just said it. I said pass pro. Uh, you have to. What, what do you mean? Like this is we're here. Yeah, we're football. Uh, we're football guys. Yeah. You got to say pass pro. Pass pro. When yeah. uh, he uh, is in pass pro, I can see him taking you out with your shoelaces. Like I would. Well, if, I, if I'm Deuce, why wouldn't I shoot a roll? You'd have it beho- to. It behooves me. I, why I can't go up top? I'll say this. I'll though. be at your waist. I'll bet Deuce has four touchdowns. I bet he scores four touchdowns this year. I do. I think that there's probably six plays Mark right that. now Save that. in the playbook set aside specifically for him in unique situations. A fourth and four, fourth and five, one of those where we ain't going to be able to run it in. A, a screen play where you don't see him until he squirts out Boy. the other side on a on a 25-yard third and eight. 45-yard third and eight. He's pro-ready. According to Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy said he's pro-ready. He quoted. So, six-round pick, daddy's a scout. You make the team before they even make first cuts. Now, we're your home for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> like, no, well, that does help. And we're going to have your broadcast on Saturday night with Jackson Jaguar, Jacksonville Jaguars. That'll be a chance for you to see Deuce. And if you – obviously, we've talked about him, and you probably have seen him in Kansas State. You remember him there. Until you see him on a pro football field. You have, it's hard to even different. fathom. A little different. So Saturday, wait till you hear it. Dallas Cowboy football is always brought to you right here on San Antonio Sports Star by AA Best Bell Bonds, Mother's Window Tent, Woods Comfort System, Ewok Kubota. That's a fine old tractor in the law offices of Jesse Hernandez. The Texas Chocolate. It all starts on Saturday. The campaign begins as they take on Jacksonville and the, uh, the, the newly minted hot property that is Sunshine. Everybody's saying he's going to have the breakout year. Probably will. He won a playoff game already. Yeah, man. I did you see where he said he he chose not to get on that Netflix special where they were doing the quarterbacks? Dak but, did too. Dak turned it down as well. Twice. I, I tried to watch that series three times. I can't. It's. I tried know. to tell you. Um. No, I finished it. Did you? Yeah. Pat Mahomes is goofy. There's nothing on TV. Yeah, Pat Mahomes is goofy. <laughs> the way he laughs kind of bothers me. Uh, coming back. We'll talk some Aggie football, and Anthony Davis is worth $183 million more. Weird. This is R&R. You're on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM and SASportsStar.com. Good morning, everybody. Joe Reinigle here. Coming up at 2 on The Blitz, Johnny Manziel's documentary on Netflix dropped last night. Did you see it? We're going to react to that coming up. And Dallas Cowboys training camp continues as the boys get ready for preseason game number one. Hey, Rob, Rudy, Will Greer, can he be Dak Prescott's replacement? Replacement? First of all, if Will Greer enters the chat, if Cooper Rush enters the chat, 
you're not winning the Super Bowl. Again, I'm not talking about going 4-1. That's cute. It's cute. I like it. I'm, I'm all for Cooper Rush. We got, I think Jason and Joe interviewed him in L.A. two years ago. Dude's a lot bigger than I thought in person. Seems like a great guy. But Mike McCarthy said yesterday at his stand-up, I'm here to win a championship. Make no mistake about it, okay? So, yeah, if those guys enter the chat, the season's over in the sense of what your real goals are. But I said that last year, and the backup went 4-1 and one and got us there. I, I, no, I was I'm a firm believer what, of backup quarterbacks don't matter till last year. No, I'm not saying they don't matter, but first of all, Cooper Rush ain't getting beat out by Will Greer to answer Joe's question. I actually think Will Greer ain't going to beat him out. I think that that McCarthy would prefer Will Greer do it, but he can't. Because Will can't turn the corner. Well, because well, Cooper like, won games. I yeah, mean, he like, earned Cooper it. won games, but he's like, you know, there's just, there's just certain things I got to get Will to do. Like, Will been in the league quite some time now. What are we still trying to get him to do? What did uh, uh Will Greer is great for the practice squad. Like, hey, you're gonna be Jalen Hurts today. Well, Todd Archer told us last year he had the lead till he got hurt. Yeah, but now he's Jalen Hurts in practice. Well, he got screwed because Cooper went out and performed. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And that's the, what's the clip? Football's the ultimate meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Way, I mean, Cooper won it. That's one of the things you love about sports is you can get it done. See, now, football's a meritocracy. See? Now, I don't know if Anthony Davis has merited a $183 million extension, but that's kind of what happens. We're going to look at that in the next hour. But more importantly, we're talking college football and where we're headed. Greg Sankey, you could call him the uh, evil empire's... He thinks he's, man, Sankey walking around like he walk on water. The overlord speaks, then he might even take some responsibility for the situation we find ourselves in right now. Have we witnessed the death of Western football? And how will that no. affect the playoff that is imminent? Lots to talk about in the college football world, as fluid seems to be the term. We'll be right back. This is R&R. You're on one San Antonio Sports Star. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. You don't believe the other way in transition to the Cowboys. Oh, oh. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, Cowboys? Yeah. each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. It's R&R in the morning here on San Antonio Sports Star. He's Rudy J. I'm Rob Thompson. We're glad you're with us. Easy E will drive this bus all the way till 10. Uh, this hour, we're looking at the college football world, both in the grand scheme as the conferences continue to bounce around and locally as we're your home for the fight in Texas Aggies and Brent Zerneman. Uh, of the Houston Chronicle jumped on the Blitz the other day and talked about the Aggies. We're going to hear from him regarding Jimbo and the offense and Bobby Petrino and all that is expected. I saw that the Aggies came in at 25 Yeah, in the well, coaches poll. First of all, which that coaches matter. ain't watching. No, they got so much. Do you think Jimbo is really like when they sent him his poll, he probably gave it to his intern to fill out. Coach's poll is probably the meaning, most meaningless poll because you're worried about your own team. You don't know who's one, two, twelve. Well, the only so, people. I mean, one through five, I, I think you can make a case like, okay, yeah, we all know. But when you throw about five through twenty-five, coaches got too much on their plates. Oh, I don't think. Work. Yeah, like, does the intern be... fill that out? Well, shouldn't there even? I mean, I hate these preseason polls. The only people care that only people that agree with a preseason poll are in the top ten, yeah. and probably only <laughs> yeah. in the top five. Everybody else says, let them play for a while, then we'll figure it out. 
But uh, Aggies coming at 25 with a little – maybe there's a glimmer of hope there, and we'll hear from uh, Brent Zorneman in about 15. But first and foremost, uh, Greg Sankey, he is not the most powerful man in college football. He's one of them. I think he's the most right now. I think he's one of them. I think Big Ten guys got something to say. The only reason we're not hearing from Big Ten, remember they had a a transition. They lost their commissioner who went to the Chicago Bears. So we had a little bit of a power void. You remember he signed all the deals. He got everything done. And once it was all over, he left for the Bears. So the guy that was responsible for the remarkable acquisitions that the Big Ten managed to do is gone. But Sankey's still there and has been for a while, and he does. But he sounds like he's the big dog. Oh, he acts like it. He's certainly walking the walk. Right, I, I'll take some responsibility for how this is going down. I can tell you, for, for those of us that lived through back in 96 when the Southwest Conference collapsed, it sucked. It did. And when you watched it go down, you thought, well, you know, what was cannot be improved upon. How could anything get better? It did. It was better. It had to happen. It was time for things to change. Everybody relax. Things change all the time. Everybody relax. Everybody. Now, there are some schools that never recovered. Rice has never recovered. I mean, there are some schools that you wave goodbye to. I mean, when conference, but that is the logical progression of sports. There was a time when Harvard and Navy were the very best teams in all the world. They had better teams than the pros did. That was a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. Very well, long time ago. We're going to look back on schools like Oregon State the same way. But um, did you? I mean, okay. they're just they're going to okay. get lost. I mean, I mean, they were time. already lost, Rob. Well, but what now they're completely relegated at least they were hanging on to a power five conference now they're going to midwest or whatever we're going to call the new no reception none no reception so i get no reception out here in oregon that's basically how it's going to go but sankey uh well speak stay to oregon real quick rob before you go to sankey you know how like big brother arizona looked out for little brother did oregon owe oregon state more like, hey, Big Ten, we'll come, but you got to bring little brother, or is it like you don't screw those guys? Like, I don't, I, I don't know the dynamic. I know it's, it felt like because with the Big Twelve, Rob, when Arizona was coming, the, that first day, it was like, hey, Arizona, and I think once Arizona got behind closed doors, they kind of said, hey, man, can we have a little brother come? Did why didn't Oregon do the same, and why didn't Washington do the same? <laughs> Well, I don't know how the schools were. Keep in mind, we're talking about state-supported schools that are funded right. through taxes and things like that. And some states fund their schools in ways that they, you can't separate them. It's kind of like the same system, and it makes it a little bit difficult for you to kind of separate them. Yeah. I, there is no loyalty between the two. I mean, unless they are financially bound. So, gotcha. you know, I don't okay. think no, that, that's cool. You know, I, I think Oregon wondering. had every right to bail unless the state of Oregon said, no, you can't leave because the money involved with the two, it just can't happen. I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma State thought that was the case and it wasn't. Okay. And I, if you want to talk about leaving your little brother, oh, you did. Oh, yeah. I don't oh, think yeah. Oregon did. I think Oregon, Oregon, I think Oregon jumped as soon as they could and Oregon State was sitting on their hands okay. at the end of the day. That's just my thought. And you were right also. Oregon State's kind of a, keep in mind, uh, the Incarnate Word coach, their OC, left to come back and coach Texas State. Wasn't that him? Washington. He was Washington at Washington State. State. Same, yeah. same principle. Yeah. Uh, Sankey, I don't know if we blame Greg Sankey, but I do get his sentiment. He talked about watching things go down last Friday and his thoughts and where we're going next. There was plenty of criticism back in 2021 at the surprise mm-hmm. nature of our Oklahoma and Texas announcement. Yet from that point forward, uh, we and those two universities and our entire conference has sought to be orderly in, in the process and respectful in our communication. And I think we've done that. 
Um, I, I've opined publicly that I think the, the speculation and some of the pronouncements we've seen since that time about growth or directional growth uh, is problematic. And, and even for me, uh, with the security of the Southeastern Conference, whether it was Friday afternoon or through the day Saturday, fielding phone calls, which really were more conversations. What do you think's happening? There's nobody calling me seeking or demanding entry. A lot of commentary publicly. You know, it just wasn't one of those great feelings to work in college sports in, in my experience. And again, I take responsibility where we've uh, made moves, but there was something different last uh, week about really the still questions around the existence of the Pac-12 conference given its its long and storied history. I do feel like them, the way they, not the way they, because, I mean, Texas and OU, keep in mind, they tried to go to the Pac-12. So, like, Sankey can take credit for it, and we can blame the SEC for it, like, because they got Texas and OU. But Texas and OU have been cheating. They've been trying to get out, but the Pac-12 was too stupid to make to make it happen. Sankey saw it and was like, hell yeah, let's, let's do it. You know, you want to pay your buyout now? Come on over. So I, I get where he's coming from on – you know, I take some responsibility because it did look like they kind of left in the middle of the night, Texas and OU. But at the end of the day, everybody's chasing the dollar. So I don't, I don't blame the SEC or Sankey. Now, when he talks about expanding, the only other teams that SEC is going to take is either is going to be Miami, Clemson, Florida State. One, like, I'm not saying all three, Rob. I'm saying like oh, those yeah. are the only mm-hmm. brands that I think they would welcome over uh, in this point. They're not taking Stanford or Cal, but I think if Clemson and Florida State – or Miami would say, "Hey, you know what? We want to come down. We want to come down to those parts as well." I think they would be open to that. But I'm not blaming Sankey for this. This is the way college football is set up right now. It is. And while Sankey can, you know, I feel bad for it, dude. You caused it, dude. You, you, you went and grabbed Texas and OU. I mean, Texas and OU he, wanted to leave before that. You're right. right. You're right. But you let them in. <laughs> they did and, and, and there's nothing oh, so wrong you feel like with the what he did so you feel like the Pac-12 was kind of like nah man we're not going to do that because you know Pac-12 I think stood on morals still, and high ground yeah. like we're not going to shake things up well you know what you should have been the disruptor you should have been and now you no longer exist and 10 years ago you had signed the biggest TV de- deal in conference TV deal history just 10 years ago and you were hubris and you were prideful and pride cometh before the fall and here you, you sit know, i ain't gonna lie i kind of feel bad for them we all kind of do like i don't care but i still feel bad like i'm like hey whatever it is just entertain me you giving me content i appreciate it but in the, then it's weird to see it you know like it just feels like those four schools left over there kind of like you know well there's a sad song playing in the background and people are you know are loading up u-hauls it's weird. But we've been laughing at the insignificance of the Western football for years. We joked. Pac-12 makes nothing. Yeah. To, what is it? 2016? And even if, when they got one or two, it just didn't matter. West Coast football hasn't. So this this was coming. Whether Sankey started it or not, you just felt like the dissolution of the West Coast. But let's talk about what that means. Because now what was going to be a national college football tournament, a playoff, it's been greatly affected. All those teams in the West have all migrated into Midwest and Eastern conferences. Uh, Sankey spoke to the future of Western football and what that will mean for the playoff. And here in the SEC, we wanted college football to be strong nationally, and we've not seen 
uh, a West of the Rockies participant in the playoffs since, I believe, 2016. The arrogance and, of this And so cat. the expansion was about making sure we brought in we got to give it to Western you. football. Well, now what's happened is Western football has come into other conferences. Uh, the net of that is circumstances have changed, and I think it's it's wise for us to take a step back and reconsider uh, what the format might look like given these changed circumstances. Uh, we've not met on that. I've not had any meaningful conversations, but but I think we, we have to acknowledge that it is on everyone's mind pending the outcome of some of these additional uh, membership movement pieces. Now, we had an interesting pre-show conversation about our opinion based around what he said. Now, I'm going to let you say it because I don't want to misquote you as far as what you said, what could be on the horizon as far as the SEC and the Big Ten and what they could possibly do with and then with the innuendos and him kind of speaking, I won't say uh, in code. He was vague for sure. And yeah. I do think that while he talked about there weren't any meaningful conversations in the pre- as he watched the Pac-12 about- dissolve, keep in mind the Pac-12 is guaranteed a spot in the playoff as a conference champion. They're in already. I mean, as the as the contract was signed, conference champions in, right? Pac-12, Big Ten, SEC. As far as when we go to the expanded To one? the expanded okay. playoff. This is what we're talking about. Okay. Well, if that's gone. Then we got to redo and it. And we're dividing the money up amongst all these teams, and there's nobody going to even begin to contend across the Rockies. Why am I giving money to a schools that are never, ever going to contend? What I'm saying money is. Money or a spot. Money, spot, it's, it equals the same. A spot equals money. Um, why wouldn't I, as the Big Ten, go, there's only two conferences, me and the SEC. That's all that really matters. Uh, if we look at the titles, the contenders, there's been a lot of teams rotate through. But what, since, what's been consistent? SEC Big Ten football. Why not at the end of the season, let's keep all the money and we just play a championship game amongst those two conferences. They keep the money. They do the TV deal. There's nobody that can step in. The NCAA, who are they? We're the SEC. We're the Big Ten. We monetize. We comfort. We take care of ourselves. Who's to say in five years they go, well, forget this. We're going to do our own championship, and we're going to do our own TV deal, and we're going to set it all up, and we're going to call ourselves the national champion. It could happen, and I think that there's some moves afoot because there's more money there. I don't think that'll ever happen. Well, it could. I don't think it will either. But if at the end of the day money's the thing, then expect it to happen. Because it comes down to if it's more for me and less for you, then it's better off for me. I'm just saying, like, only re- only thing I will say is, like, I don't think there's a reason to hold a spot for the Pac-12 now. No. There's no reason to hold a spot for them in the expanded playoff. There's, I mean, again, that, and I think that's that's what I took from it. Like, why are we holding a spot for them? Not because, like, I'll, you're going to end up splitting it with somebody. It's just because it's like there's no one there. What are we doing? Even if even if you go and add eight mountain, let's say those four two schools, Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State, say, all right, let's go get eight Mountain West schools. Even then, well, you know what? I can say the same about the Big 12. Even then, do you deserve a spot? Yeah, you do. Just like the 65th team gets into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean you're going to win it. At least you get a shot. I mean, that's the whole idea, right? Right. Get in. Well, are we going to let you in is really the end of the day. You wonder but if that- Western football still exists because of USC. But I don't know if we'll call it Western football. It's the Big Ten playing a sunshine game. 
But oh, sometimes Ohio State's going to have to go to Cali. That's what I'm saying. It's the Big Ten playing a sunshine game. We get to see Ohio State in short sleeves. <laughs> you get to see you get to see Purdue this Western football rolling there. around without a jacket on. So it's still Big Ten football. It's just a sunny day for them. Exactly. So you wonder how many kids that USC recruits will be from Michigan, decide or Ohio or or, or Pennsylvania or Wisconsin. None. Just none, right? None. They're going to stick to Cali kids and Texas kids and Florida kids. It's a different brand of football up north. Now, do you need? Do you have to recruit those kids because Michigan is just kicking your ass in the trenches, and Ohio State and Wisconsin are just beating your, you know, your little slender, quicker kids down in the trenches? And do you change your, your recruiting? I don't know. Maybe you better. And I think there's a cold weather gene you're going to have to start addressing as well. You're going to have to get some kids that are used to playing in some frozen tundra. Are you kidding me, Rob? These kids got. Heated benches yeah. and the, the heated coils underneath the ground, and yeah, it's easy to say warm lotion <laughs> until you until you got to do it. Yeah, oh, I'll, for I'll, those of us that ain't used to it, no, no kidding. When you can't feel your fingers, and you got to make a tackle. Now, the possibility of Texas A and M being in the conversation for the playoff seems awfully distant, uh, but hope springs eternal. Yeah, I won't say distant. Brent Zwerneman of the Houston Chronicle, he covers that Aggie beat, joined the Blitz, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about what he heard. Uh, Jimbo, as really, as he's taking a step back for real, as Bobby Petrino, his own island, calling plays, we're going to talk about them, Aggies, as we are your home for the fight in Texas. Aggies' first game will be September the 2nd. We'll Damn. Get, we got it for you. It's just around the corner. Already? Already, man. We're, we're, we are inside of a month for the Week Zero football September game. September 2nd. Y'all got a pretty decent game, one week one game, don't you? Or is it no? Is it, no it's in it, Mexico. Oh yeah, never mind. That's a, one of our traditional I'm, early games. I'm okay. I'll pass. Uh, yeah, they're taking them on. Wake we won, me up when y'all play Miami. That will be in week three, I do believe, as they travel down to Miami. All of our Aggie coverage is brought to you by Ewok Aboda Fine Tractor and ABC Home Commercials and Commercial Services. I know those are good Aggies there as well. That's September the second. Hey, coming back, we're talking Aggie football. Don't go nowhere. This is R and R. You're on ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star. Nobody is entrenched in the uh, Aggie locker room like Brent Zwerneman has. He's been there for years, whether he was with the uh, San Antonio Express are? News. No, I'm not in the locker room like I him. I know you ain't in the locker this room. This dude knows. But and you got people in there that's telling you the same thing he told my, the Blitz. My, my, uh, my doctors, my horse doctors are heading to practice see? this weekend. So <laughs> My veterinarian you underground is going to give me some insight for next week. But no, I, I, Brent, and Brent's a lot like me. We've seen it a lot. His Aggie... He's, a, he's not an Aggie fan, but he's an Aggie writer, so right. he understands it. He joined the Blitz. And I think the biggest question for, for the Aggies now is this $100 million coach, we brought him in to do a lot of stuff. And, he, and if you're looking on the balance sheet, success has is, is been re- wild. I mean, the Aggies are making money right and left. They're top recruiting classes. They're in the news. They're doing what they need to do. They're filling their 107,000-seat stadium every week. Mm-hmm. That has been a remarkably perfect success he is paying for himself is Jimbo he's earning the money but he hasn't earned anything else it's now time to do it and to do it they had to go get a a guy that's going to kind of make him well Petrino is a a rebel we know what he is Jimbo's going to have to take a step back this is what Zwerneman said about where Jimbo finds himself right now it wasn't up to him to whether to hire a troop you know essentially he was told this is what you're going to do if you're going to stay here at Texas A&M hey you know Quote, you're a good recruit, an excellent recruiter, really. He's done a really good job of recruiting and things like that, but you need someone else to handle this offense. So, uh, my take on it in, in kind of observing Jimbo is that maybe there's a sense of relief on his part 
that, okay, hey, here are the details of the offense to Bobby Petrino, and he can kind of focus on those other things in that he also realizes if there is, say, a step back in week two at Miami, that's not going to be an easy game at all for the Aggies, especially in installing what amounts to a new offense. Mm. I just early on don't get that sense. I get that sense that he said, okay, all right, here's how it's going to be. And then, you know, and maybe people will give me credit for talking about Jimbo thinking uh, for being sharp enough to bring in an OC and let me <laughs> handle the program. That's uh, Brent Zerneman talking about a, a, a character trait that I'm not sure Jimbo has. This is, I've seen these things go both two ways. You know, I've seen the guy, you know, take get the play call taken over and it go bad, and I've seen it go well. You know, he talked about also with the blitz of how now he can just, you know, maybe he can peek over in the defensive room. Just being, a, just seeing everything overall and not being so worried and focused and bogged down by trying to call plays and also run the team. It's been a lot for him. Clearly, here at A and M, he hasn't been able to handle it. So you had to do something different. Well. He didn't want to do something different. He was no, told no, no. He to didn't, do something yeah, different. He had to. He didn't have a choice. How many micromanagers do you know that ever were able to change that? That were ever able to get away from not being in control of everything? I don't know any. I don't know anybody who was a a backseat driver. I want to know everything. Right. I want to be in. That could ever give it up. They were always there. And we're asking Jimbo, who won a national championship, who has worked and done this before to say, you know what, what you did before no longer works. You're going to have to take this on. There's an ego to being a great coach, and this is a tough pill to swallow. I, it's going to have to go well early. I, I'm going to stay with this. It's going to, it better be successful early or it's going to be a rough season. Fair. That's fair. But at the same time, Rob, if you really want to save your gig, you have no choice but to make it work and be cohesive and be on the same page and have good chemistry and get out of his way. Now, I, I remember Mike McCarthy telling us those first couple games when he had, when he was, Kellen Moore was forced down his throat when he walked in the building. He was like, man, it was tough. And I was, and I was micromanaging and I was over coaching. And then finally I just got out of the way. Now it ended badly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, eventually he got out of Kellen Moore's way and let him do his thing. I think maybe early on it may be tough for Jimbo, but if things start going well, why wouldn't you get out the way? Exactly. We, we all feel I, like Bobby Petrino's going to be able to put up points, it, and if he starts putting up points and they moving the ball and they, they're having success, why wouldn't you just back up and just say, hey, all right, let's do this? It'll make it a lot easier. That's but what I'm saying. your ego kicks in and everybody starts saying it's because of Bobby that y'all are winning. That's when we have. That's when there could be troubles in the water. I, you know what? I don't think he's concerned about that because I have zero thought that Petrino's here to take his job. Not, no, no, no. I'm not talking about take his job. I'm talking about Jerry, Jimmy, who's getting the credit. Oh, yeah. I'm I don't talking think, about who's getting the credit. Jimbo's king in College Station. I don't care. We go 12-0. and 0. Jimbo gets all the credit, and Petrino gets a fine handshake and a new job. No, I know. You know but I mean? Behind the Maggie doors, I get it. But the, uh, the Stephen A's and those guys of the world be giving Bobby the credit. <laughs> But no, Aggieland is going to be Jimbo. He got the helicopter. He got the twelve million till twenty seventy nine. It's his world. But outside looking in, we'd be like, "Damn, they weren't good until Bobby Petrino got there." Let me tell you, third quarter in Miami, it's ninety eight degrees and ninety eight percent percent humidity. Cowboy, mm-hmm. I mean the Cowboy. Aggies thrown three interceptions. Oh, They're down God. ten points in the middle of the third, and the offense has stalled. That's worst-case scenario for Aggie fan. That's the moment we're going to see how this season goes. And it's going to happen real early. And the thing is, the problem with with this is we know just by history, 
when you get a new offense, you're better at the end of the season than you are at the beginning. It's just going to happen that way. But I don't think Petrino's going to get that kind of leeway. It's going to have to be successful early. Or Jimbo's going to say, I told you so. Told you so. I didn't need this. I could have done. We could have been a, a failure on our own. No, he needed something. It's been bad. It, last year got bad, but he had a lot of injuries and a lot of freshmen. Just to be fair. What are they ranked? 25th in the coaches poll? Coaches I saw poll. USA Today came out. I'm not sure they even made that one. You know, the, the training camps for college football is one thing. Pro football is another. We saw it all last week. It's not – for those of you who went through two-a-days in high school, it is not Oklahoma drill. It is not a hard <laughs> – NFL don't do that. No, not anymore. At least not those, all of them. Those days are over. Eric Bieniemy is the brand-new offensive coordinator <laughs> for the Washington Commanders, and evidently he brought a brand-new mindset that some of those vets don't appreciate. What do you hear what they're saying about Bienemy? And Ron Rivera's response I found very interesting as well. We're going to look around the rest of the NFL. The gumbo, she is hot. And Bienemy will tell you that Eric Bienemy is your biggest fan. We'll be right back. This is R&R. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Texas Cheer Liquor. Yes, sir. Nine different locations. One of them has some margaritas to go with some others on the way. Sometimes you just want to have it already made. You don't feel like breaking out the margarita machine and breaking the ice you know, it's a, this is a tough process. Why not go buy Texas Cheer Liquor number five? Get you a couple of them and order a couple extra shots with it. Also, they're always working to kind of make the experience better for you. A couple of the Texas Cheer Liquors are getting those big, huge walk-in beer coolers. This way you have a whole lot more options when it comes to crafts, when it comes to local. Whatever it is you drink, they're trying to make that experience better for you over at Texas Cheer Liquor. They have the finest beers, the wine, the liquor, and the cigars. Different craft beers smooth allocated bourbons whiskeys tequilas a bunch of stuff and also sometimes you're looking for those exclusive bottles some of those exclusive bottles that we've given away at our remotes when the blitz goes out there um you can't find them all the time ask the texas cheer liquor nearest you if it's at their warehouse they'll order for you just come by and pick it up it really is that simple and also if you need yourself an eight gallon or 16 gallon keg they also deliver and drop them off for a small fee check it all out for yourself at texascheerliquor.com where it's not just cheers, it's Texas cheer. The boys from San Antonio Sports Star are back from Cowboys training camp in Oxnard, California. And the tales to tell. Seven days and seven nights of training camp coverage. And that was just at all of Jerry Jones' parties. Uh, we get to suck on that all week. Security, of course, provided by AA Best Bell Bonds. San Antonio Sports Star, we'd like to welcome on Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, we're going to the favorite folks of this cowboy, all our great fans in San Antonio. Uh, it's been said for all, for many, many years, and I think it's the same today. We have more fans percentage-wise in San Antonio than we have Cowboy fans in Plano, Texas, which Amen. is a part of the Metroplex. Cowboys Training Camp, presented by AA Best Bell Bonds, Southern Recipe Small Bash Pork Rinds, Texas Cheer Liquor, 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star, and SASportsStar.com. S.A. Cardhouse is the premier cardhouse in San Antonio. You can check it all out at sacardhouse.com. Full bar, full restaurant attached, Foster's Bar and Grill, one of the best old-fashioned you're going to get. Three, four top-level chefs, the best bread pudding that you ever have in your life. I've had just about everything on the menu. And also, for the beginners like myself, they got the free roll on Monday nights, only 35 bucks. You play pretty good, guess what? You'll last a little bit longer than I do. But for my pros out there, the six-year anniversary for S.A. 
card outs August 1st through September 30th. They're going to do 16 hot seat drawings daily from 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. and one ticket for every 50 hours of play or a chance to win a Dodge Ram or a 2023 Dodge Challenger SXT. That's right, over 270000 in prizes. Check it all out for yourself at SACardHouse.com. That's SACardHouse 281 and Bitters. Northwest Automotive Warehouse and the Hunters Extravaganza are all about Texas hunting and getting outdoors. So join the family and get ready for adventure with brands like Undercover Ultra Flex Truck Bed Covers and Steelcraft Bumpers and Grill Guards. Look for NAW and many other vendors at the Freeman Coliseum Expo Hall August 18th through the 20th. NAW, family-owned and going strong since 1978 at 3027 Calabra. Protect, promote, and preserve the great outdoors with Northwest Automotive Warehouse and the Texas Trophy Hunters Association Hunters Extravaganza. Have pain? Have chronic pain, low back pain, knee pain, neck pain, or shoulder pain? I can help. I'm Dr. Torres at the Institute for Functional Health, and we get to the root of your pain. We don't just give pain medications. We do the proper investigation to see what is the root cause, and it's covered by your insurance. Reduce your medication, avoid surgery, and get rid of pain for good. Call for your free evaluation. I'm Dr. Torres at the Institute for Functional Health, where we get to the root cause of your problem. 210-468-1891. If you can't sleep because of annoying knee pain, that's a problem. If you stop running because your feet always hurt, that's a problem. If your elbow, shoulder, and neck pain make it impossible for you to do your job, that is a problem. And it's time to finally do something about it. I'm Dr. Jason Garrett from Arosti. At Arosti, we fix pain fast. No medications, no injections. Arosti treatment is completely natural and non-invasive. Plus, we accept most insurance plans. There's a location near you. Visit Arosti.com. That's A-I-R-R-O-S-T-I.com. Arosti, we fix pain fast. Have you Googled yourself lately? Are there negative posts from an ex-employee or from a former client? Maybe an outdated news article or sensitive personal information about your family? Search engines don't always get it right. For right or wrong, it's your reputation on the line. That's where Reputation Defender by Norton comes in. One of the most trusted names in online reputation repair. Reputation Defender has been fixing people's search results for over 15 years. Their cutting-edge approaches help you to wipe away unwanted information in your search results. They also promote the good stuff so that it rises to the top, helping you put your best foot forward. Your good name is too valuable to leave to the whims of a Google algorithm. Take control with Reputation Defender. You can start by getting your free Reputation Report Card at reputationdefender.com or call 800-401-6681 to speak to an expert. That's 800-401-6681. Hi, I'm Henry Winkler. My eyes are very important to me. My eyes connect me with things I love. I loved my late father-in-law dearly. He always lit up a room, but his vision dimmed with age. He had age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. And since partnering with Apellus, I've learned there's an advanced form of the disease called geographic atrophy, or GA. His struggle with vision loss made me want to help others know about GA's warning signs. For some, straight lines seem wavy, like when looking at a doorframe. For others, blurry or missing spots can make it hard to read or see loved ones' faces. Many have trouble seeing in low light, making driving at night difficult. GA gets worse over time and cannot be reversed. If you've been diagnosed with AMD and notice vision changes, don't wait. Talk to your eye doctor about GA today. Learn more at GAWon'tWait.com. That's GAWon'tWait.com. 
Have you or a family member been arrested? The law office of Jesse Hernandez, the Texas Chancla, can help regardless of the legal battle you are facing, personal injury, or criminal defense. Attorney Jesse Hernandez and his team are ready to fight for you. Calls are answered 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Call 210-807-8656 or visit jessehernandezlaw.com. That's 210-807-8656 or jessehernandezlaw.com. The law office of Jesse Hernandez, the Texas Chancla. Ribs, burgers, chicken. Mm. Submit what you grilled or smoked, and you could win a $50 gift card from Tri-County Meat Market. So good and tasty. Grilling with the Blitz. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning to you. Top of the morning to all. It's R&R in the morning here on San Antonio Sports Star. He's Rudy J. I'm Rob Thompson. Doc Jason Garrett is imminent. He's oh, going to be here right. in a little over an hour as we talk injuries today. Tyler Biotish is limping around with a bad ankle. Rolled ankle, anyway. And Mozzie Smith's got an MRI. Is it bait and switch? Are they knee tricking us to look away from the Zach Martin situation? We'll talk about it with Doc Garrett. I'm down. I like talking to Doc. I think he just finished the CrossFit Games. Yeah, he was watching uh, folks get bigger, better, faster, stronger, like the Houston Commanders are trying to be, bigger, better, faster, and stronger. Houston Commanders? Houston, I say Houston, <laughs> like the Commanders. There you go. Um, Eric Bieniemy is their new OC, and evidently he's being hard on his guys, practicing hard. Too intense. Remember when uh, Ime Odoka took over with the Boston Celtics? Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum just about quit basketball. They cried for a week. Yeah, they pushed back, and they started off rocky. It started off rocky, and then next thing you know, they're in the NBA Finals. Suddenly, guys who know how to win show you how to win. It's not always easy. This is Eric Bieniemy talking about Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> Eric Bieniemy is who he is. Okay, Eric Bieniemy knows how to adapt and adjust. Eric Bieniemy is a tough, hard-nosed coach, but also understand I'm going to be the biggest and harshest critic, but I'm also their number one fan because I got their back. My job is to make sure that we're doing it the right way. There's a way to do it. Do they understand that? Yes, because they're seeing the results. We're making a lot of strides. I'm proud of these guys. It's been some, excuse my language, some good to watch. What? <laughs> now, this is OC slash head assistant, slash head assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Assistant head coach, excuse me. Um, I think what the commanders are going to learn is, and I'll just read a tweet from Tyreek Hill. There's no other coach that has your back like EB. Take the coaching and get better. We all been through. It's tough, but I promise it'll make you better. Now, keep in mind, commanders, if y'all are listening, like everybody else in the world, Eric Bieniemy's nose to nose on multiple occasions with Patrick Mahomes. Seeing it multiple times with my own two eyes. He ain't worried about Sam Howell's feelings. <laughs> okay? If I'm screaming on Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes, you think I give a damn about Scary Terry and Sam Howell's feelings? No. Now, again, I'm not there, Rob. Maybe some of it's harsh. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's, it's easy for me to sit here and say, hey, you know what? Maybe the commanders are just soft. And maybe this is why you've sucked for so long because you haven't been coached hard. But if I'm saying that, Rob, then am I also indicting Ron Rivera? Like, why is this the first time they've been coached intensely? 
Why is it like? Why is this new? Like, I, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm like, hey man, do you ain't never screamed on the guys like I did today? Why do they feel comfortable? The players feel comfortable coming to you, Ron. Is this an indictment on Ron Rivera as to why they haven't been coached this intense as far as this intensity goes that Eric Bieniemy is running around Commander Training Camp with? Well, if I'm a 35 year old vet, I do not need to do something. <laughs> That's what he's hearing. Like I'm, I mean, I've been in this league 13 years. I make three times the money. You, you want me to start bear crawling? No, you, I, you no, me, I don't. Come you, on now. You, I don't, for, I don't, I don't know what there. they're doing. I'm not there. Yeah. So uh, you know, uh, two years ago when Dan Campbell took over the Lions, I, I in my mind, I thought I no love way. watching a college style coach in the pros, but I know it doesn't work. This rah rah crap doesn't last for three four months. There comes a time for professionalism and precision when you're 38, 39. Rah, rah, don't feed the bulldog. You, you can cheer me on and get me hyped up, but in the middle of the third quarter, long after the rah, rah speech, are these guys ready to play? I didn't think Dan Campbell would be successful, and I what was happened? wrong. Yeah, what happened? Because what it, the fact that we're talking about feelings just on its open without on the, on its merit going, what the hell are you talking about? But we're actually listening. To the players. It is now a point of conversation. Are we working too hard? Just tells you where the NFL is, the modern sports, where the modern athlete is. Now, I think the enemy is right and should go in there and drop the hammer. You guys are losers. I'm a winner. Which way do you want to go? Diehard Commander fan, Jay Glenn on YouTube. That culture in D.C. is going to be, that losing culture in D.C. is going to be tough to change. It is. It is. It is, and 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 you can't break something. Like, <laughs> let's say that when you get sent off to, let's say you're a young kid and you get sent off to a boot camp or something because you're beyond scared straight, it's not, hey, man, come here, let me talk to you. When you're trying to break a culture and change bad habits, yes, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to get a little bit uh, – a little bit loud. Eric B. Enemy is going to be loud. <laughs> but when you're talking to a grown ass man, there's you know some decorum. I mean? there's, there's some, some decorum that you have to. Ha- but I think right now, B. Enemy's in the. I'm going to break I heard the word stage. intense. What's like. So how do we define intense? I think there's probably a lot of contact. I think there's a lot of physicality in this practice, as much as you can have inside well, the rep. Well, that's what I'm saying. It. If it's that bad, why hadn't anybody gotten fined? I mean, he had whatever they're doing is inside the, the rules. I mean, McCarthy, we've never heard any complaints about intensity. It's just more about too many reps. But if it's all about the reps you're getting, you're t- it's too intense? It's kind of silly. What did Ron, what, so... I, I just, I want, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when Ron Rivera gets a knock on his office door <laughs> Because you know what happens in these situations. You take a couple of your leaders and you say, man, you need to go talk to him. You need to go talk to Ron, man. This dude crazy. And so a couple of leaders go and knock on Ron's door. And then, <laughs> this is what Ron said. A lot of these young guys, you know, they oh, do with certain, certain things. Um, and a lot of you also got to take for where they've been. I mean, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Guys come from other programs aren't as much. So, you, you know, us as a coach – you know, I, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. You know, Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change and, and, and because he believes in it. Jack has his approach. You know, um, having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try and figure guys out a little bit more as opposed to, hey, this is it, this is the way it's going to be, that type of stuff, where Eric Eric hasn't had that 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 uh, that experience yet. Just that when they came to you, it was just they felt like Eric was riding them too hard or? 
Well, um, they just were a little concerned. <laughs> so it, it, it must have gotten bad. I remember my first, well, it wasn't my first, but it was an early interview. And I don't even remember who it was. It was a Houston Texan when the Texans were first getting going. And I asked a question, and he turned to me and said, no, man, I'm a grown-ass man. I was talking about on the road or something like that. No, man, that's not a problem. I'm a grown-ass man. And I think there's a lot of NFL guys that don't talk to me like that. I'm a grown-ass man. Nobody talked to me like that in 10 years of professional football. And I think the enemy's getting in their grill, and there is a matter of decorum. Now he, but he, if, keep in mind what Eric's up against. He's up against keeping this job, but also finally trying to get over the hump to be a head coach. So if I'm Eric and I'm walking into this situation, I already I got two Super Bowls with Andy Reid. I can't get a head coaching job. This is my last opportunity. If that boat hasn't sailed, this is my last opportunity. And you think I'm gonna come in here and let y'all go six and eleven on my watch and the offense look like crap? No, no, I'm, I'm I may be a little intense. But like I don't understand the whole um, going to tattletale. If you're a grown ass man, don't you all? Don't you? Can't you go have a sit down with Eb? Why did Rivera bring it up like that? I just thought see that that's was very what uh, Lewis Riddick said. Lewis Riddick like, didn't agree with love. Lewis Riddick, he probably gonna get a GM job one day. ESPN analyst slash color commentary said he didn't agree with the fact that Ron Rivera brought this to the forefront. Yeah, I don't like the way that he handled that. I, I Maybe he's feeling a little bit of pressure. From maybe that should have been internal. I got, maybe. I guarantee you. You don't want, that, you don't want this he kind of laundry maybe. out. You know, seriously. You got the rest of the NFL looking at you like, you bunch of babies. Well, see, because they've been so bad, Rob, we're all going to side with the enemy. Because they've been so bad. Cause we're, so we all in, all, in all of our minds, we've gotten a bunch of guys in our heads that feel like, hey, you know what? Y'all sucked. Y'all need this. So right now, I don't think the enemy looks bad. I think the players look bad. They do. Why would I, as Rivera, want my guys to look like a bunch of self-entitled divas that have been losing? And I bring in an OC that suddenly y'all are afraid of? Now, the talking about himself in this third person, I think it's a little odd. I, I, I would have a little conversation. Like, dude, don't talk about your, don't say Eric the enemy thing. Just say I. Okay. Just use the pronoun. But other than that, I, I don't know pronoun why Rivera would let it get out like that. This, we're, it's an internal thing. Yeah. We got intense practices. We're coming for you, baby. You land on his side. Don't go. Yeah. You might want to go talk to him about that. That sounds like he's being kind of mean to those guys. That's, that's such a modern NFL thing. I can't, I've never heard this he happen said, before. And you know, he didn't know how to word it, right? Yeah, he was like, like, there was um um some concerns. He didn't know what I to say. I don't know. I've never had to deal with this before. Um, they might have to go talk to Eric Bieniemy and see what he thinks. What do you think? Is the NFL getting a little a little soft, or is it just Washington or the CBA and the players' agreements and all that getting in Jamal, the way of Jamal Charles chimed in too? What a Jamal! I'm sure he came to B's defense. He said, "I love EB." He says, "I know he coaches different." But I know one thing, he could take you to another level. So you have Jamal and Tyreek that are saying, hey, guys, you're right. He's a little crazy. You got two guys admitting it. They didn't say, hey, man, I never had any problems with EB. Like, hey, EB is a little off. But he's, he's a, he wants you to win, and he's going to take you to another level. So it, it's that culture thing, Robbie. You haven't been talked too crazy in, in, in a while. It could be like, hey, man, did you know he just told Scary Terry? That that was the crappiest route he's ever seen in his life. Like so, I don't know, man. It's a fine line, Rob, because you can lose the guys too. Could you can like, like you, it can change them and it can go up for the better and it can and, and you know it could go up and you could become the team you want to be 
or guys could just shut down on you. Well, it's real easy to be tough on a team that's got a ring or two in their hands. That that you know, you can scream at you Pat know, Mahomes and all those other guys because they've been there. But that's what I'm saying. If I've screamed at Patrick Mahomes, I ain't scared of screaming at Sam but Howell. The problem is Sam Howell will crack under this pressure. And when you're four and thirteen at the end of the season and you've got a devastated quarterback and a screaming Eric Bieniemy, you're no better off than you were before. Even if you broke them, you know what I mean. Even if they are doing exactly what you wanted, they're all. Scared to death. Mm, James Pledger, why does it sound like Ron is throwing EB under it the bus? Does. It, to you me, think so? Well, why would you go? Well, that's an EB thing. I'm, I'm, I didn't take. I didn't take it like that. I saw Ron maybe being too transparent, but I didn't see it as Ron throwing EB under the. Like they haven't even played one game. Now this could be also be a Jimbo situation where Ron was forced to have EB, and maybe he don't agree with everything EB does. I. If y'all are taking it that way, I didn't see it that way. I never took that sense, but I do get the sense that he that Bienemy does things that Rivera does not. That he oh, does some sure. coaching things that Rivera thought, wow, that was <laughs> <laughs> But what I can't do anything yeah, yeah, in yeah. practice. So when the players come to me, we'll address it when it happens, but it's gonna happen. And right. it did. Luckily it was early. Dude, and, we're and, not even the we we ain't even the preseason. We ain't the week three, and they, they I don't want to say crying. They're grown men, they made it to the league. But have concerns. I'm gonna just stick with Ron's well, word. The headline, we got concerns before preseason game one. Well, this is the headline that players are upset that they're being worked too hard in preseason week three. That's nothing new. Just the fact that we hear about it now. Yeah. Well, he said there's too intense. Is the is the is the uh, headline? Gosh, I want to know who it was. Please out the complainer. Please, somebody tell us. Somebody from offense. Somebody com- let somebody us know. from offense. I want it to be like a 35-year-old All-Pro. I want it to one. be somebody. No, that's just it. <laughs> like I would like who's the big uh, right a left tackle for the for the Redskins. I want it to be that guy. I forget the dude that's getting paid. Yeah. I want it to be a leader oh. going. You know what? I ain't taking it. I'll be here after you leave, Eric. They'll get used to it. I get paid five times they, as much as you. Used, they'll get used to it. I remember Strahan crying about Tom Coughlin. I'm old enough to remember a bunch of guys when a new coach came in and they said, hey, man, I remember guys crying about John Gruden. You know, Tom Coughlin was like guys were getting to meetings on time and he was fining them for being late. And he said, if you're five minutes, you know, if you're on time, you're five minutes late. And I remember Strahan going to New York media and crying. This is Michael Strahan, Hall of Famer. You know, broke a sack record crying about Tom Coughlin. Guys cried about John Gruden. I'm sure guys cried about Jimmy Johnson. They did. There's nothing. You know what I mean? So either you adapt. Yeah, this is nothing new. Yeah, but, but now, it's just but it's so soon. What are we? Two weeks, three weeks into training camp. I love hearing losing teams learn how to win. Yeah, me learn too. how to win. Hey, what do you guys think? Our phone number six five six three seven seven six can be used a variety of ways. You can text us. You can talk. Gino dialed him. Welcome on the show, Gino. Yeah. So when I heard the news, I called a buddy of mine who was actually been at two of the commander's practices, and Eric Bellamy is just holding everybody accountable. He don't care if you're a first-year or a 10-year vet. If you're not running a route, if you're dropping a ball, he don't care who you are. He's in their face, and he's telling them that you ain't good enough. And I think that's the people that are now complaining is they used to just get away. Oh, they didn't, you know, they mm-hmm. were able to walk and do nothing. Now they're getting held to a standard, to a higher standard, and I don't think they can handle it. Now, Gino, I got a question for you. Gino, I got a question. You yes, sound sir. like a Commanders fan. 
No, I'm not. I'm oh, okay. a Cowboys fan, okay. but I have a buddy who's a diehard but, Commander fan. Because so. how can a head coach sustain when he's still here and Eric Bieniemy is indicting everything that he did prior? If a Bieniemy shows up and says, what y'all have been doing is wrong, you're playing loser football, it I'm going to teach you winter bad. football, and then the, and winter football involves me doing stuff tougher than your old head coach did, how does that make your head coach look? It don't make you look bad. It just means like we got different philosophies. Well, it sounds like you're ineffectual and your replacement's in the building. Oh, his replacement ain't in the building. Eric Bieniemy, what? Dude, if you can't get a job, a head coaching job after the Super Bowl, yeah, it, I, I, again, that's why I say if that ship hasn't already sailed, like everybody, Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, got head coaching jobs. Doug Peterson's on his second, rightfully so. He got a Super Bowl. Eric Bieniemy got two Super Bowls with something. Andy. He can't get a head coaching job. So that boat may have sailed, but I if I'm Bieniemy, so. I'm not going to go. I'm not letting y'all ruin my name any more than it already is. Well, there's brand new ownership in that building. Uh, I think Bienemy is in a prime slot to take this job. I think that if this offense is even halfway there, it gives Rivera an out, and it gives Bienemy an in. He is coaching for his future, and he's laying yeah. down the law. Yeah, I think this is his best. Like you're saying, this is his best <laughs> shot to be a head coach. It's right where he if is. You could turn this around. Yes, with Sam Howell. So you might deserve a head coach. Now job. that could fracture this team because this team loves Riverboat Ron. Remember the cancer and all this other kind of stuff. They went through a lot with these guys. Right now, the one thing I will say with Rivera saying Eric's not going to change his ways, they've had a talk. Ron has sat him down and they said, "Hey, this that's how is this how you normally do things?" And I'm sure Eric told him, "Yes," and I'm not changing. They've had a talk. Because that there's a, there's a there's no other reason because like Ron has known him what two days yeah this isn't well no they, they've been in the same they, you're they, they pre, co- you're rep- no I'm saying coaches you. know each other I'm saying being in the same room being in meetings walk, being around each other going to dinner games getting to know each other is like oh damn this dude is this intense and he's not changing well I think he expected it I would like to think he knew what he was getting this is Bob this is Bobby Ron got to take Ron took him so he wouldn't get fired this wasn't Ron's hire no that's this what wasn't I'm saying. Ron's hire. So I think Ron is reading the uh, writing on the wall as well. Mario, dial six five six three seven seven six. Welcome on to R and R, Mario. Hey guys, uh, well, I'm a Bears fan, and Ron Rivera, when he was our linebackers coach, uh, he was a players' coach. He didn't do a whole bunch of hooping and hollering. Mm-hmm. That being said, when he was a player, his coach was Mike Ditka. <laughs> so, he has be, seen it. And he done should, it. He's seen it then. Riverboat Ron's then, a good coach. He is. He's just not being yeah, a Absolutely, yeah. Ron is. Ron is definitely a good coach. Uh, he, he was probably having flashbacks of Nitka uh, with all the, the yelling and whatnot. But he, he's absolutely – Ron is right when, you know, there's some players that react well to the, the yelling and screaming and others tell them, hey, you're doing a shitty job. And, uh, Appreciate the call, man. As a, as a Bear fan – Knowing Rivera as a bear fan, hey man, everything's going to be all right one day. Scary Terry, I think they're going to be better. Who's the snitch? Pull up their roster, Edwin. I'm I think find they're going to be better. I'm gonna find me. A, I'm gonna find me the snitch on the Commanders. Who went to Ron? And said, hey man, he's doing tits, man. We grown men. He can't be talking to me like that, man. Hey, my mama don't even talk to me like that. When was the last time we heard this? I'm trying to. Uh, did we hear it's it been from a Detroit? Long time. Did we hear it from Detroit when no. Campbell got there? No. Well, first of all, nobody heard anything from Detroit because we wouldn't listen. We just started listening because you know they just got good. But I don't remember the college mentality affecting them there. 
I don't think it's a loser mentality in Washington. I just think that there is a, an idea of this is how pros work it. And BNME came in and showing them that pros actually work a little bit harder than you're accustomed to, and those pros that work harder actually get the ring. When I look at the leaders, it it had to be it had to be Terry, Brian Robinson, or one of the offensive linemen. Those are the only person, the only people on that offense with the cachet to go and do it. I'm looking at this offense. I don't see any cachet anywhere. Scary Terry's a beast. He's just on a horrible team, but he's a beast. But a wide receiver ain't complaining about intensity. He's, he's he's working with him more. He's working with him and the quarterback closer than anybody. I guarantee you, it was scary Terry. I'll, Sam Howell, like yo, I just got here. I got milk on my tongue, bro. I ain't saying nothing. You think it was Terry McLaurin? Got to be. He's their leader. What does that say about a team if your wide receiver is the leader of your team? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know, man. Prima donna. Wide receiver, the the face of your pre-Madonna, franchise. Everybody. Uh, wide, every wide receiver is a pre-Madonna. Yeah, yeah. Every one of them. All of them. Every one of them. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. Maybe Eric Bieniemy has realized the issue. We're looking to the wrong face. We need a leader. Michael Irvin was a leader. Well said. Touche. Touche. <laughs> there's a, no, there's a touche. few. There's a few. Not many, but there's a few touche. that can be there. I'll put there's Irvin up there. there. Maybe, yeah. maybe the greatest, greatest football player Jerry. to set foot on the planet, if you ask any 49er fan, Jerry Rice, probably the leader there. And I would tell him it's Randy Moss. He might. Zach, what do you think about hard coaching? Welcome on to R&R. Yeah, man, I think it's, uh, it's exactly what we've been needing. We've been so soft. Yeah, and I like that we. For years. You know, when you hear, what do you think of Rivera? Uh, I'm not saying he shouldn't have brought it to the media's attention, but I think it's gotten blown out of context. I think he said he tells him to go talk to him, like, just go have a conversation with him, not go cry and complain about the style. Go get to know him. Y'all are new. Go get to know each other. I think that's more what he meant, what he was talking about, not just, you know, you don't cry to me, go cry to him. You know what? You might have a point here. He did say that in one of the clips. Appreciate the phone call. He did say that in one of the clips. He said, I told the guys go talk to him. Yeah, that ain't which, my problem. Which that bothers me more about this than anything. I don't like if you if you concerned with maybe some of the stuff crosses the line, I get it. Because sometimes you're a man first. In any situation, I don't care if it's sports talk, radio, TV, sports, you're a man first. And if you feel like some things cross the line, address it. But I think you should address it with Eric Bienemy. Like it shouldn't be a thing where Ron's like, Well, have you talked to him? No. Well, go talk to him. Yeah, it's a chain of command thing. Why uh, You fix the problem, and if y'all can't fix it, then I'll step in the room. In commander circle, Jay Glenn says it was, rumor has it, his offensive lineman, former Longhorn, Sam Cosme. Now, that goes back to your point, Rob. Now, an offensive lineman is a leader. Yes. Those guys are leaders on the team. So that, that, that kind of makes more sense, but that's just the rumor. We don't really know who it was. It could have been, uh, who was that? My, my first response there was, there's an offensive lineman from UT in the football in the NFL. Wow. Other than the, one of the Connors. Wow. There's actually two wow. offensive linemen from UT you in the take league. That, and one of them is complaining that it's too difficult. Two in the last 20 years. <laughs> and the one that's in is said it's too tough. That the enemy's practicing. When I played for Sark, I guess Tom, it's the well, He I played, for, he played for Tom hard. Herman. He got hard coaching, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> didn't coach us this hard all i had to do is have clear p that's all i needed it has to be words i think it's more of a words thing than it is a like run a gasser or give me some up downs or it's it's the it's the yelling 
The dude and the cursing in the press conference. The I know. dude oh, yeah. kept you know said what? the S word in the press conference. You know what? There's a lot yeah. of cussing out there. He he said something about some of these players' uh, manly manhood. He probably had. That's why your lashes was four thirteen last That's year. That's exactly what he said many times. You bunch of losers. I love this. I love to hear. Yo, you love athletes. it because you're a cowboy you're a fan. Treat? No, I love it when professional Would athletes you be get this treated ex- like athletes, and you go, "Wait a minute." Would I you be was this excited if it was the Buffalo Bills saying yes. this? I love it when I hear players go, oh, you shouldn't work us this hard. Well, what the hell are you talking about? I got. I want to hear from Patrick. When the next time they, he does a stand-up, I need to hear from him and, and see how tough it really was. Because I've already, already got two, three Chiefs that have said, yeah, Eric's crazy, but he makes you better. <laughs> so. You know, those kind of coaches that do have a lifespan. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because those are the guys. That's the coach that, like, 10 years from now, you run into him. You're like, man, I hated your guts. I hated your guts. But guess what? I ended up, we ended up loving you, and you made me better. Mike Singletary didn't last too long under that kind of approach, with that kind of attack well, Michael, approach. Michael Singletary. He was crazy. Yeah. Just flat And then you don't know who crazy. Mike Singletary was looking at. What was the tight end that he hated? Side. That big tight end for the oh Vern, oh, yeah, Vern. that's him. He hated Vernon Davis, him. and Vernon then he ended up taking him to San Francisco. <laughs> Those two never liked each other, no. but they ended up playing together, and the respect is there. Larry Brown, as a basketball coach, was that kind he of guy. He was crazy too. He stayed on. Pop your, was crazy, but you have to learn to take your foot off the gas. You can't coach somebody every minute of every day, and I think Larry Brown and guys like Bienemy never stop. Like at some point, just be Dude. a mentor and don't write everything that I did wrong all the time. I saw Pop get vavas on multiple players. Oh yeah, and, like spit flying, and his life spit changed. Flying cussing. The moment he took his foot off the gas, the moment you realized I can't coach you twenty four hours a day, or every time you see me, you're going to run from. I let Manu be Manu. Yes, and once he realized and be enemy, like he was saying, his his DC Jack Del Rio has been a head coach and has kind of learned. I kind of regulate what way I treat players by their attitude and not just by mine. And I think he was kind of saying, I think Mike, learn it and be enemy will. I spent a week around Mike McCarthy. I never saw him cuss anybody out. Oh, every coach. Yeah, he's not that kind of guy. Ah, no, I take that back. I think he was that kind of guy. I, don't I, think is, I haven't seen it in three three training camps. I ain't seen him like do this. Like clearly Eric's out there doing some other stuff. I don't think, you know, the Cowboys, the last time the Cowboys had a dude like that. Bill Parcells. Well, they had a couple of Parcells would talk to you crazy. No, who's the guy that drafted Taco Charlton? He was a bit like that. Don't remember. The, the DC. Uh, he was like that. We had a couple of DCs come in that were, you know, attitude over everything. Yeah. And that doesn't, it just doesn't last. You can't continue with that. Players tune you out. Players will just, I'm not going to deal with you every minute of the day. And you, they're better for for having you, but they can't stay along with you. The NFL continues to turn. The gumbo is completely hot around the league. We're going to look. But Mike McCarthy might have actually found himself a backup running back. A backup running back. Wait till you hear what he had to say about his backups. He's got three that can play. Doc Garrett is just around the corner. But next, we're going to be looking at the NBA. What would have happened? What should have happened? What could have happened over the last five years? Some interesting questions as we look at Anthony Davis has got himself a big old extension. How did that happen? NBA next. You're on R&R. This is 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. 
Rob Thompson. Ginobili the other way in transition to the five oh. for the left hand oh. slam. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this, each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. It's R&R in the morning here on San Antonio Sports Star. He's Rudy J. I'm Rob Thompson. Don't mind him. Brake lights will get you where you're going. It's, we got practice back in. We got football practice happening right now. I imagine most football teams are out there working before it gets too hot, right? I know Bernie's practicing, and I heard. Oh, the, I heard the, about high school. Yeah, got you. I got. I heard the drums coming from Dub Ferris over the weekend. So bands are back practicing. <laughs> I know the teachers. Most teachers are back in class. They're oh back, yeah, teachers are back in school. That's right. Damn, poor teachers. Poor teachers. These kids are different. Yeah, like we were good. <laughs> well, they weren't uh, educated for two years by drunken homeschoolers. Dude, <laughs> you just take me back. I remember going upstairs in 2020 and my daughter's on Zoom under her covers in her pajamas, like blanket halfway over her head, halfway listening. I'm like, get your ass up. <laughs> get your ass up and pay attention. She gives me till three weeks from now to turn it in, Dad. Leave me alone. Like, right. On the other side of that, <laughs> it was my wife being a was... teacher. You have no idea the scenes that we have seen in people's homes <laughs> over two years. Were you of zooming Zoom in on her? Zooms? I wasn't, but my wife would come in and go, "Come oh. here, look at this." And you'd see like a dad and his chonas standing in the oh bathroom behind God. it, or a mom in her bra putting on makeup behind while they're. I mean, just all the things they forget that their kids in class. I don't think we'll ever be the same. We will 20, never, ever We be learned the same. a lot in 2020. Well, did we? <laughs> we learned we can't be, we shouldn't be homebound for any length of time. We turned into drunks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had to have an intervention. My wife was like, where's the handle? Like, I was buying, I ain't going to lie. I was buying handle. I was going to take your liquor and buying handlebar crown bottles. And it'd be Monday. <laughs> it's a Monday. Like, by Thursday, I'm going back to Texas chair. What do you mean? You just had a, you just had a handle. You just had a liter of of crown. Yeah, when, I need another one. When did uh, speaking of needing the handle of crown, read the uh, <laughs> what's that? Read the contract that Anthony Davis signed oh, very my. quietly. D- yeah, I mean we weren't talking about it. it. Happened over the weekend. 183 million dollar extension onto a Laker team, and we know money's big. And we know that the Lakers are at the We're last a new day, gasp. Rob. It's a new day. Yeah, and this is the last gas for the Lakers. I mean, they're, they're running out of time. LeBron's only got so much time, and and so does are Anthony we sure? Davis. EPO is a hell of a job. I know. It seems to be working so far. HGH, TRT, yeah, LeBron lovers. He came in, was it five years ago? Something like that. Nah, it was 2019, 2020. 2019 or 2020, his first year there. So that he was Maybe there three, for the bubble. Years. So it's only yeah. been three years. Yeah, he, he won it in the bubble. What if he hadn't gotten there? There's no ring, right? No, no they ring don't, in the bubble. They don't win. The, they don't win in 2020 without him. Hell you know, no. Over the last five years, you look at where the NBA could have or should have been, and some of these are should haves. Why don't we do like with the NBA, like we do with the NFL? And the NFL, because we love it, we just say. People just tell me, Rudy, that's the market. R.J. Ochoa told me that 17 times over this past week. Rudy, that's just the market. Rudy, that's just the market. Because I'm like, Trayvon, 20 million. Yeah. Rudy, that's just the market. Dak Prescott didn't win anything. Rudy, that's just the market. Anthony Davis, 183. 
Why isn't anybody saying that's just the market? Because it's just the market. It's just the market, it's right? It's just the market. But I you know, my ar- well, that football, argument we accept it. Well, not any I'll tell you I I agreed up until the owners said the running market ain't what we want it, we're resetting it. So this it's the market stuff works until an owner goes no. Until they sit until they go into their um what is it? What do they call burner accounts? Yeah. And say, "Hey, we're not paying running backs like, anymore." Let's very quietly. Let's let's nip this now. So, yeah, the market decides but Lamar didn't get everything he wanted. Lamar Jackson? Yeah. I mean, Damn near. But he didn't get everything. So, I mean, if it was, well, that's just the market. He got exactly well, for a there. Cup, for a cup of coffee, he was the highest paid. Yes. He then Hurts passed him. He got exactly <laughs> there. No more, no less. Then Herbert passed him. So it is just the market is accepted with quarterbacks, at least with quarterbacks. Now, there's some questions I want to ask you. And this is off an article on ESPN. I want to give full credit to the guy that wrote it because I think it's really interesting. Uh, this is Tim Bontomp, so we love him as an NBA writer. What if the Mavericks had extended Jalen Brunson last year? They'd they probably a, go back to the Western Conference Finals. Don't you think so? They probably go. I mean, he was probably the best player. No, no, not probably. He was the best player for the Knicks this year. Without and he and without. he understood how, the reason why that was so big as far as the loss for Dallas is because you had a True point guard, but he also understood how to play alongside a Luka, which isn't easy. Not everybody can play with the Luka. Not everybody can play with Kobe, AI, guys that just dominate the basketball. It's not easy, but Brunson understood it. He understood his role, and he understood it was his role to play off of Luka, but then also get other guys shots. The Mavericks, I don't know when they recover from this. Because, of course, yes. One-on-one basketball, you just close your eyes and just watch those two play. Yeah, Kyrie Irving is a better basketball player. Not a better team basketball player and an understanding of how the team needs to run than Jalen Brunson. They, I don't know if they recover from this. I, this was one of those catastrophic failures that you thought could be bad, and then you watch Cuba's done this like three times, yeah, though. He has. This is like his third time doing something like, what the hell are you thinking? The Porzingis deal was weird. No, when you blow up the 2011 team because you think you're going to get Chris Paul and Dwight Howard. And then you don't. It's been going on for a while. I appreciate an owner that's willing to swing for the fences, Me too. but you got to be right. You know, once there's in something a while. to that. There's something to that. Rob. But you do need to be right once in a while, okay. or just settle down just a little bit. And I don't know if you know. I always joke about the sins of commission and the sins of omission. Not re-signing Jalen Brunson, just not doing anything, Awful. might be the biggest mistake you ever made. More than going and trading the farm for Porzingis and more than dismantling the 11 team, this one I think would be the biggest price to pay. Now, here's a bigger question. As, I like because this Golden, one. Well, I like this one. Well, you want to talk about Denver or Golden State? Golden State. Now, keep in mind, LaMelo and James Wiseman when they came out together. And Wiseman, I, I will give Golden State a break here. At Memphis, we had, what, 10 games. He was hurt most of the season. He had some recruiting issues. He hardly even played. But when we did see him, he looked like David Robinson. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? For the 18 games against AAU kids, the guy looked amazing. And then there was the the LaMelo thing. He's coming from the Australian the league and his and dad, dad and yeah. all of that. So you can kind of see why they went with James Wiseman, did Golden State, but what if they drafted LaMelo? If they draft LaMelo, what if they drafted him? I'll say this. If they had drafted LaMelo, I don't know if they win last year, the year before. I don't know if they win the title in 22. Why not? Oh, 
size. But I think he changes the dynamic. Like, there's a good, yeah, it, it would be cool to have him, but I don't think having LaMelo Ball on that team, I think Jordan Poole was the unsung hero of 2022, and that's why he ended up getting paid. So I don't know how he fits with them. Like, LaMelo is just a come-down, jack-it-up type player. I don't know if he fit with what Golden State likes to do, and that's and maybe that's why they didn't take him. It would have taken Steph Ball out off the ball. I mean, it, would have been, it, would have been, it would have been totally different. Unless, you know, Steph, Clay, and Dre could have said, look, man, you just come here. You're going to play the way we play. We got three rings. You're going to do what we tell you to do. Now, if that if that dynamic takes place, then maybe. But I just don't know if it was a good fit. The Grizzlies have uh, benefited and suffered with John Morant. Remember, they moved up to go get him. They moved up in the top four to get him. What if Ja hadn't landed in Memphis? What if Ja hadn't landed in Memphis? We're not watching. They might still be. You know, when Ja sits out, they still play pretty good basketball, but no one cares. That <laughs> but this, it sucks. And trust me, we're, we're Spurs fans. We get it. Sometimes you play a brand of basketball that nobody wants to watch, but when you're in, your, in that town, you know, hey, man, we're a pretty good, damn good basketball team. Why isn't anybody watching? And that's, you know, so I think that's probably what would have happened. They've done a fan bane. And Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks at the time, like, they've done a fantastic job of putting a solid core together. I probably feel like they win some games, Rob, but we ain't watching them. That's, I That's think what would have happened. They would have logically grown, gotten better because that rest of the team was good, but not like this. And the, given the scenarios, it, what probably would have, if they wouldn't have moved up, it looks like Halliburton would have ended up falling to him. Yeah. He's a dog. Mm-hmm. He's a I don't know. He's a dog, Rob. He's a bucket. He's a bucket. I I like him. I I I, I remember with Sacramento trading. Like, don't get it twisted. Sacramento ended up the third seed in the West. Like, I think both teams won. But I remember the day they traded Halliburton. I was like, excuse me. My basketball advisor, Jack Thompson, called it one of the dumbest moves he'd ever seen. I think it worked out for both. I think it worked out for the Pacers and it worked out for Sacramento. Now, here's the biggest question that more recently. The Zion question. What if New Orleans didn't go get Zion? They ended up with Barrett or... Well, you'd still be terrible. The Knicks want to trade Barrett. If they could trade Barrett and they could get something for him, they'd do it. Both of them, man. Them dookies. They're they're, they're 12-year pros. They're 15-year pros, Rob. But you're not going to be able to give them a team and say, get on my back. But they're, they're good pros. Like, you want them on your team. You know what I mean? Like, I want Barrett. I want JJ. I mm-hmm. want Carlos Boozer. I want I, I want you on my team, but I know you're not going to be like, all right, guys, saddle up. We headed to the finals. And I'll ask, let's say the the last one. What if? Uh oh, Kawhi had stayed. Or what, what if, if Kawhi? Did, if he would have got the twenty one, I traded to the. What if he got traded to the Lakers? I'm going to go all the way back to the Spurs. Yeah. What if he got traded to the Lakers? Mm-hmm. What if we'd have done that deal? With we now we keep in mind, Brandon Ingram was not part of that deal. Now, yes, maybe he if was. they didn't, I yes, he was. That is Him and hindsight. I remember this, and Brandon Ingram was kind of it was Jason Dude, no, Hart it was and Magic. Kuzma, and and no, Ingram Rob. was being dangled, but he was never Rob. solid part of that. Magic was ready to give up. I Robert. never. I Magic was ready to trade Genie Bus. 
He was going to give San Antonio Jeannie Buss. I don't recall uh, Ingram Chick ever Hearns, being uh, solid. Statue. It was always Kuzma and Jason no. Hart and a bunch of peripherals. And But Ingram was never solid. Hindsight says, oh, Ingram was part of it. I remember this going on, and we wanted solid too. like Ingram. If he's there, we'll talk. And he never was. And we were like, Kuzma? Hart? No, I remember. No. I remember Ingram being a part of it, but we could. I, we, I digress. All I know is they don't get Wimby because no. they would have been better. They would have been better off. They would have been better right now up to this point with those guys that they added. They would probably would have been a, a team that's been hovering around the play-in. So it worked out for the best because we got Victor. That's what happens. If that if that trade happens and the Lakers do the deal, they do the deal with the Lakers, we don't get Wimby. So, so that's the what if. That, I, I, without hesitation. That's what happened. Without hesitation. What is that? The, the Anthony Davis extension isn't a surprise. It doesn't really hamstring the Lakers, but it does to me tell me this is they're in for the one final run. This is it. This is three years. This is it. I agree. I mean, this, I agree. Now, I don't know. This is an untradeable contract. Um, in the we're we're entering the sixty million a year era, Rob. I think uh, there's gonna be a lot of guys getting sixty. I think it'll be movable. Well, the reason <laughs> I do, I just think that in three years they're gonna look a lot like they did that last Kobe run, where they got <laughs> they got nobody and a couple Ugh, old that dudes. Was ugly. Well, yeah, a couple old ugly. dudes making seventy million a year. Yeah, that was yeah. ugly. So while the Lakers did the right thing, I guess by their guy, they you know, I, it's just the market. I thought we don't like that, do we? I hate it. Uh, you have to. You have to pay him. Spurs sit with 18 dudes on the roster. I thought it was 17. 20. I thought it was 20. I think they got three decisions to make on three dudes. Okay. And we're talking about these are contracts that they're either going to have to eat or trade. Sportrack has gone through and looked at the uh, South, <laughs> the Southwest Conference. Damn. That's what, you know, that's what we play in. There is indeed a Southwestern we do. Conference. And the one thing they point out is one we all agree that the point guard is still their little light at point guard, but the uh, the future is bright here. Lots of young guys, they, at least by Spotrac's estimation, like ours, mm-hmm. good young team, light on point guard. They're going to be forced to put some guys in in positions to handle and make some decisions that are young, and we're, it might get sloppy at times. And that this is another lottery team next year. Lottery? Yeah, probably. I don't think that's that's what they're saying. I don't necessarily agree with I that. I wouldn't say that out loud. I don't think Spurs fan wants to hear that. Because I remember the last time we discussed this, a lot of Spurs fans called us crazy. And were like, hell no, we're we making the playoffs next year. They are picked last in the Southwestern Conference, or however we want to define it. And Oh, that was a question. We asked, are the Spurs or Houston, who's ahead of schedule? Houston. And you and I were both like, it's Houston. I don't, like, is That's not up for debate, right? No, none. Not at all. Not even close. They're well ahead of the game. They've got more talent. Okay. They've been drafting they in the lottery the, longer than we the, have. Yeah, that, they should be. So that's where they should be. And they got a couple of veterans. The work that San Antonio has to do over the next current next three months, they've got three players over the regular season roster. They'll be eating some of the guaranteed salary barring trades, and that may come in the form of useful veteran players, which means keeping an eye on trades. The Spurs don't have to get their into the roster compliance until the end of preseason, but there are going to have to be moves made, so obviously they're not done. They'll make them. It always works out. Bigger move, re-signing Pop or drafting Wimby? What? Uh, this is a question they're asking. Hey, don't make me do that. And they're saying, really, might have the biggest move might have been keeping Pop around for another five years. 
No, it's Wimby. It's always Wimby. Be clear, it's Wimby. Now, I mean, look, we, we we all love pop, but now, come on now. Yesterday, Dak Prescott threw three interceptions three. in practice, though that's not was not the focus. It was running backs. Mike McCarthy has some fine words to say about all three of his RB2 potentials, but one stood out. We'll talk about what the Cowboys did in practice. How do the three interceptions affect our outlook on this offense? And also, Doc Garrett joins us. We're going to talk a badass ankle. Oh, wait, be honest. You know, I was the first one to say that. We were the first ones to say Tyler Biotis. Let's just admit it. Was Tyler badass. badass. And uh, yeah, I remember you got shut down when you thought you were the first. I'm just saying. <laughs> you got shut that down. That I came up with it first. Uh, I, don't I care agree with Rob. Say. We're the ones that are on at four in the morning. We, How is it not us? We said it first. I'm just going to roll it I out. I agree. There. I'm rolling and, with you, dog. And uh, uh, he did get hurt, by the way. And so did Mozzie Smith. We'll talk ankles and MRIs with Dr. Jason Garrett and look at the practice yesterday. Cowboy talk coming because that's what we do. This is R&R in the morning, and you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Score $1,000 cash for back to school and another 1K for your favorite school or charity. Register to win now at sasportstar.com. Good luck from the Institute for Functional Health and 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning, everybody. Jason Minnix here from the Blitz. Starting at 2 o'clock today, we will have the latest from Cowboys training camp in Oxnard. React to what we saw last night on Hard Knocks, the Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix. And Rob Thompson, you are proof that not everybody in Aggieland wakes up with $100,000 under their mattress. How do you know what Rob wakes up with under his mattress? Yeah. What the hell are you talking about, Jason Minnix? No. I got at least $1.50 in there. $1.50? This is R and R. Who watched the Johnny thing last night? You what? I didn't. I didn't. I know I'm gonna. Pledge was letting us know. Oh, Minix and Joe are talking. Look, let's be clear about something, Joe. Only reason why y'all are talking about that tomorrow today is because Minix is in it. <laughs> Evidently, his radio calls have made it onto the broadcast. When he was doing Time Warner play by play, the Johnny football when he was at Kerrville made it onto the yeah. broadcast. Stick to your Longhorns, Minix. Oh, oh, that's right. You're in the documentary. Let us talk Aggies. <laughs> I, I wonder what the tenor of this of the. Are we supposed to feel bad for Johnny? Is is it aimed this that isn't, way? This isn't a supposed to feel bad. This is more eye opening toward where we are, Rob. As far as like you know, money can't cure everything, and you know, just oh, it, it's a, it's an opening the book to a lot of athletes and what they go through. I remember Gilbert Arenas, they asked Gilbert, hey, man, you made $171 million. What do you do now that you're retired? He's like, I've been miserable. Like, I've been, I mean, it's tough for us to fathom that down here, <laughs> Rob. But you just, we, like, I hate, it sounds cliche, Rob, but we never know what people are going no. through. Um, and so I don't think we're supposed to feel sorry for Johnny. He's just telling us what he went through. You know, you never know the tenor of the production. You, you know, how yeah. are they, are they leaning like, man, he made mistakes and he's he's atoning for him or you know he was on a downward spiral because of bipolar or was he just a bad dude and that's what it was going to be you know you never know how they're going to portray him we all you know self medication and i'm curious how people who have seen it do you feel bad for him do you I feel like so. oh i'm a poor johnny or is it yeah that's the life he lived and he's come out the other side and he, we're all better for it i i'm i can't wait it's, to see um, it myself yeah i, I want to watch it it's just a where do we it's a tough rob trying to figure out where we draw the line in Okay, look, dude, that was just a bad choice mm-hmm. versus while well, I was dealing with something mentally. And like I that's where I'm that's where I'm always at. Like, okay, well, 
don't we still aren't we still held accountable? Right. You still made bad choices. You still, at the end of the day, made some horrible decisions. I shouldn't feel bad because the decision you made did not turn out well. But we end up feeling bad. And, you know, some of it, I think, rightfully so, because I'll never understand what it's like to be an Aggie. Because nothing like that has come through College Station before or since. There's nothing. Now, you know, Austin is Austin. They're used to big-time things. Big-time players. Johnny Football and College Station, just the thought of it, the, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. The, mm-hmm. Those three years, those two and a half years, um, we're still benefiting by it. We, yeah. He still deserves money. He was supposed to be a cowboy. Should have been. Could have been a cowboy. Who did they draft instead? Uh, I believe his name was Zach Martin. Or was it Travis Frederick? Which one was it? It was one of the lines. It was Zach It was Zach, yeah. He was Zach. Great job, Steven. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Steven Jones. Uh, yesterday, during the Dallas Cowboys practice, a couple things happened. First and foremost, there were three interceptions thrown by Dak Prescott. Three! See, this is the good thing about McCarthy's presser, is it's before practice. You said McCarthy's pre- McCarthy on West Coast time is his 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 press conference is at ten, practice is at eleven. Because let me tell you something, you know, and 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 in, in the pre in the pre practice presses, oh, how's the running back room? Oh, how's Zach? Uh, how's you know this guy, that guy? If he would have had to come to that podium after three Dak ints, oh my God, it would have lasted an hour. It would have. It would have. Especially, I, th- I think they're going to get them today, though, Rob. They're going to be asking, how serious did you take the three interceptions, Dak Thor? Is it just not a big deal? That will be the first question from Arch. Oh, no, David. Who's David? What's his name? David Moore. David Moore. David Moore gets the first question. David Moore's first question will be, how serious, and this will be my question to you, Rob. We'll reenact it. Mike slash Rob, how serious are you taking the three interceptions Dak threw yesterday? Well, you never want to turn the ball over, but there are a lot of things in play. Uh, certainly, we want to see. Uh, we don't like want to it. see any balls hit the ground ever in a practice. But you need to know what was in play there. There were routes being called that may have been a a situational football that you don't know anything about. So let's not quantify it as an interception yet. Yes, the ball did turn over, but a lot of good things happened today. A lot of good things happened. Today. LPJ Salazar on YouTube says Dallas Cowboys have the best defense. That's why Dak struggles. There we you go. You see, now that is a typical Dak nonsense that I've been having to put up with for two weeks. First of all, none it of sounds those, good though. Uh, he put a LOL at the end, and none of those interceptions yesterday were, in fact, Dak's fault. Uh, there was sun in his eyes on one of them. Uh, we understand <laughs> that there was a player that had called his name just as he was throwing the ball, and we know that's not fair. So that was one of the interceptions. Well, let's keep it going, uh, Mike slash Rob. He, we've seen him throw a few now, and this is something that you all have said on record that you wanted to cut down on, why is it not changed yet with all the different well, installations? You guys call them interceptions. We call them completions to the other team. See, the ball didn't hit the ground. <sighs> and really, man. all we're looking for, Dak, is to complete the football because that's part of the implementation. Put the ball in players' hands. And, you know, we, all, we also have told him, make sure you only put the ball in the hands of guys that are wearing blue and silver. And he continues to do that. So we're quite impressed with Dak's progress in this brand-new Texas Coast Sounds offense. just like y'all, too. Sounds just like a Cowboy fan. And let me reiterate the fact that we love Dak, and we will pay him eventually. And uh, we love Zach, and uh, we will pay him eventually. But when players get hurt, we move on. How much of this has to do with you just have a really good defense? 
Well, I think this is worthy of conversation. And, and I know that the you never want interceptions or anything like that. But when we start talking about a defense, and it's not just Cowboy fan, it's not. They are NFL dudes that are ranking the Dallas Cowboys as the best defense in the NFL. And some, outside of the Cowboy bubble, are saying this could be a legendary one. One with you got playmakers at every level and a coach that understands what it means and an opportunity to go get it against some pretty average to only really good offenses. You get some time against some good ones and some time against some bad ones. This could be. You really drinking this defense no, Kool-Aid. No, I'm not. I know they're a good offense. I know they're defense. that. Offense defense. Okay, go ahead. I know they're a good defense. I know that. But when we start talking about Micah doing what we think he's about to do, there's only been a couple of guys in the world that have done it, and when they did do it, they turned their defenses into legendary ones. They did. Mm-hmm. When we talk about what we expect from, we're talking about Taylor-esque, Lewis-esque, those kind of years, and those guys on their own transform teams. Now, I'm not saying that he YouTube? is Taylor or Reed or Lewis yeah. or you can name the, the the guy. I'm not saying he's there, but the but the signs are he's about to be. And if he does, then this we can is, start okay, talking you know what? about it. Hold on. I, I, I know I slumped down in my chair and I almost fell out of it when you mentioned um, Lawrence Taylor. But <laughs> the thing that's most impressive, more impressive about Micah than any of those guys you named, they had been doing that. They've been defensive ends. They've been rushing the passer. Micah just got thrown into that role and became one of the best. So to me, it's a little bit – it's. In that sense, it's more impressive. I'm not saying he's Derek Thomas and Lawrence no, Taylor. I'm, I'm not, not, not yet. I'm not. And maybe he will be, but what I'm saying is to go from linebacker, your linebacker, your linebacker, oh, damn, Demarcus Lawrence is hurt. We need you over here. And you just, they say, go get the ball, and you do it. And then now you're getting the technique to go along with it, and you're learning the game and different little little tricks to play. It's impressive. It is It is highly impressive. Now, I, I will say that. There's a lot to do. There is. But I will say this. I appreciate Micah Parsons for what he did yesterday. When he brought, he he called out and wanted to highlight his middle linebacker. Mm, he's the most important piece. Um, that's one person that I was super excited to have back. You talking about someone that knows and commands the defense inside out, making sure everyone's lined up, um, attention to detail. The what what he puts into the game can't be replicated. I mean, he got a chance to work with Sean Lee. And I just felt like Sean Lee just rubbed off on him. Every bit of his game of just course. reminds me of how he runs to the ball, his aggressiveness, how he just asserts everyone, gets everyone lined up, his willingness to move around. I mean, learn, he's learning to pass rush now, believe it or not. He is no more a rundown Easy linebacker. There. He's a pass rusher. So, you know, uh, seeing Layton's growth, having him back, seeing what he's been adding to our defense has been just extraordinary. He didn't bring up DeMarvion Overshone, who has had a good camp too. I don't know what I still don't know what the hell he is. I don't think they do either. But okay, I'd have him at. But see, my safety room's overcrowded. Well, the, some of his safeties are bigger than linebackers. <laughs> so I think if you're if you're not Micah, you could play either position. I mean, <laughs> look at big safety now. I mean, you put twenty five pounds, suddenly you got a middle right. linebacker there. So I I don't know what he is either. But I what I do like is when your very best player says, "Put the spotlight on this cat," not just me. Look at look yeah. at what this guy does. That matters. It matters now, inside the locker room. The thing about it when they when they bring up the legendary defenses, the one thing that all the legendary defenses ended up with is a what? A title. Mm-hmm. 
That's the difference. Now, I'm not saying that's the difference. I'm saying that's what makes you legendary. Like, we've seen these fantastic defenses over the years, Philly and they don't, yeah, they don't win it all, and it's just like, okay, so all of a sudden you're not legendary. Like, even the no-fly zone with the, with the one that Peyton Manning won a ring with, Peyton Manning was awful that year. That was that defense. Of course, the Legion of Boom. Everybody talks about the 85 Bears. What's the most legendary Cowboy defense? Doomsday. Doomsday. I mean, that's the one that you remember, but let's not discount the, the 95-96 defenses. Those were they were solid in that they took the ball away. They hey, you know, it, I mean, every level had a, had a, a Hall of Famer. You had you know Haley, I forget the linebacker. Then of course you had um, Dion. Yeah, every level they they got a lot of turnovers, but I don't think you were terrified that they were just going to lock you down like the, uh, the the Cowboys defenses of the 70s. So. It won't be that hard. I'm to just be saying legendary. legendary. Well, for the Cowboys, it won't be that hard to be. But legendary, no, but see, the I'm thing saying. is, we've heard Micah say we want to be the '85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, the Legion of Boom. We've heard him say that. Well, and I have no problem with it. I like it. Any iteration like that will be better than any defense the Cowboys have ever had. The best defense the Cowboys have ever had doesn't even come close to the Chicago Bears or the Legion of Boom or the Baltimore Ravens. It, that they're that's chess. The Cowboys are playing checkers. If they if they get that close, it'll be the best defense they've ever mm. had. I mean, that, that defense with Dion, lots of Hall of Famers, but it was more about timely plays. I don't think – I don't remember the Cowboys rolling in and just shutting anybody down for two years. No. They outscored them, outran them, ball controlled them. But it the, wasn't just lockdown defense. I don't remember that. No, I Me could neither. be – my memory might have faded, but I don't think – No, Rob, you would have remembered. Yeah, well, you know, I don't remember you ain't getting a yard on this defense. It was more like, yeah, you score, we'll score again. Or we'll just keep the ball the whole damn yeah. game. I mean, yeah, right. we'll we'll give it to Emmett and he'll gain 180. And uh, we'll throw one over the top to Mike and we'll walk out of here 21-14. That's the, my memory, but uh, I, I could be wrong there. I don't remember it being that strong. You know who's got a great memory? His name is Doc Garrett. Yesterday, we got news that Mozzie Smith, the number one draft pick for your Cowboys, had to have an MRI on his knee. Tyler Nothing Biotish, to see here, Rob. Rolled an ankle, and there ain't a whole lot of centers on this Dallas Cowboy team. And we'll look around the rest of the NFL. He is imminent to come. But first, let's play some cards. Doc Garrett is imminent as we talk. He's back from is where he were back? the games? Doc Garrett, are you back in San Antonio? Wisconsin. I am back in San Antonio as of Monday night. So, yeah, I'm back here. So how did everything go at the uh, CrossFit Games? It was good. There was uh, one pretty significant injury for anybody that actually follows CrossFit out there. The guy that was in the lead, this Russian guy who'd been crushing everybody, with two workouts to go, breaks his foot and uh, was able to keep working out. So then some of the workouts were like it was a double under jump rope with a heavy rope. So he was jumping with what? one foot and then pulling a like a 500-pound sled with one leg. And I think these guys are machines. I have to ask, what's the most incredible thing you saw? Because that right there sounded pretty incredible. Well, there's uh, so there's master's divisions there as well. So at you know, every age group up until 65 plus, so 65 is kind of last level. There's a guy that's won multiple times, little tiny guy, he's 67 years old, the oldest person in the competition. He's in first place. He's crushing it. And then he's doing a heavy deadlift workout and pulls his hamstring with, with a pretty significant tear in it. Comes hobbling over, can barely walk. Damn. I was like, hey, man, I'm not really sure what we can do, but let's see. We work on him. He ends up running a 5K that afternoon with a torn hamstring. It took him, you know, he got dead last in that event and got dead last in the next event, but actually um, got second in the next two and still finished second overall in the world out of uh, all 65-year-old plus. So that's, that was pretty amazing, too. So is this like, is that like Kobe walking to the free throw line with a torn Achilles? Like, 
feels like it. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They're, some of these guys are insane. Like, if, if this kind of injury would have happened in an NFL game, NBA game, the guy would be out. There's no way he'd finish. It's um, a cart. Guys, yeah, it'd be a cart, Doc. Yep, these are their one chance. Their one chance a year to be at the World Championships. They've worked all year to get there, so they're like, "Look, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to carry me off the field, or I'm not coming off." It's uh, they're they're pretty driven. When do you do precautionary MRIs? If you're doing, a, if you're pulling out the MRI machine, Doc, is that is that is it there? Is there such thing as precautionary, or are you seriously concerned if you pulling if you throwing somebody in yeah. the MRI machine? Is there something that a patient tells you to go like, "I need an MRI"? I mean. That, that they will say, whether it's pain or not, where there's a, a question or a, a feeling where you go, well, the only way we're going to know is an MRI. Or is it just like general soreness for a couple of days? Let's look at it. Well, to do an MRI, in our opinion, you need to have a significant mm. physical exam finding. So whether it's like a disc injury in the low back or neck, you have to have significant nerve compression symptoms. Because if you do an MRI on anybody, like anybody walking around with no back pain, 60% of them are going to be positive for disc herniations even if they've never had back pain in their life. So MRIs show way more than you want to see. You really only want to order them if you're suspecting a full tear or something that's going to need surgical intervention. Now, if you're an NBA or an NFL player, you can do it routinely because you own the MRI machine. Okay. Okay. You want to know exactly what's going on. So you're going to get as much information as possible to make the best decision. But generally, for most people, you don't want to get an MRI because you're going to see stuff you don't want to see that probably has nothing to do with your injury. Because Mozzie Smith yesterday had an MRI on his knee uh, they said nothing to see here that it came out positive or negative, depending on how you wanted to find it. But, you know, the question is why a, an MRI so quickly if you're sore? But you're telling me if you got it, no, use if it. you got the machine, use it. Yeah. If you've got it, use it. In your experience, it is, it, go ahead. I was going to say it is the gold standard from an imaging standpoint. But even at that point, you're still going to see things that may or may not be causing the pain. In your experience with NBA and the NFL and training camps and workouts, is there a number of workouts where you can start saying, after workout number 17, we start, and, and this is a, a kind of across the board, we start seeing these kind of injuries. After the 13th day of practice or what are so many practices, we, it, it is more common to see hamstrings and calf things. I mean, are we reaching the time where those nagging injuries are going to start playing a bigger role in training camp? Because it's starting to sound like a lot of strains and sprains are happening. Yeah, and most of that's coming from just playing football. So a lot of these guys, unless they came in and they didn't condition well, which if you're an NFL player and you didn't condition in the offseason, you deserve to get hurt, you deserve to get cut. Um, but most of the guys come in pretty fit, and so mm -hmm. it's more of the cutting, the running, the, the changing of direction, stuff you can't really prepare for. You can't prepare for game speed or practice speed on your own. And so that's where the things start, start piling up. You get a little twinge here, so you alter your mechanics a little bit. And now because your Achilles hurts a little bit, you pull your hamstring because you can't push off as well. And they do tend to snowball, especially if they're not getting fully rehydrated and doing all the, the post-workout stuff. So if they're not getting in the ice bath, if they're not getting the massage therapy, the rubdowns, if they're not getting all those things, those things tend to pile up throughout the, the training camp and after. Talking about hand injuries with offensive linemen. A lot of times we'll see those guys – Doc, with, they just wrap it up, and it just looks like a big old like sledgehammer just wrapped in tape. And when you're out four to six weeks, and because again, I've seen these guys play with broken hands. What does that tell you when a guy has to sit four to six weeks when normally they just wrap it up and you know pad it heavily? That means the season hasn't started yet, and they want to get him to <laughs> close to 100 percent possible. If the season was starting, he would not be out four to six weeks. Generally, you can play with a broken hand, broken fingers, especially NFL linemen. 
those guys have a pain tolerance that's off the charts. If you look at any guy that's ever played in the NFL that played on the line, their fingers are mangled and their hands are arthritic. It's just part of the part of the game, unfortunately. Uh, Dr. Jason Garrett joining us here for his weekly stop by as we talk about how you can come back from injury. Uh, are there injuries that are kind of like uh, red flag dog whistles to trainers? Like when you hear strained calf or strained hamstring or something akin, there you go, this won't go away. He's going to deal with this all season long if we don't get it fixed. So there's certain like like the ones I mentioned, or is there something else out there that might not sound severe when we hear that that injury brought up with a player, but we might need to expect it to be an issue for the rest of the season already. Yeah, I'll bring these are no in, not in any particular order, but mm-hmm. anytime you have a big toe injury, that ends up creating a ton of issues, and if you don't get that sorted out completely, sure. it's going to nag you, or it's going to turn into a calf sprint, calf strain. Calves are terrible because they feel pretty good. Like, you're like, yeah, I'm good to go. I can run. And as soon as you go, put that 100% on it, bang, it's completely undone, maybe worse than it was before. Hamstrings are similar, but usually they're not nearly as likely to feel great as a calf. Groin pulls are terrible. And then your low back, when the guy has low back spasms in training camp, that's usually because there's something wrong with something deeper in his spine. It's not just a muscular problem. So that can be an ongoing lingering issue as well. Those are probably the majority of things that you want to watch out for if someone has it early in the season that's going to deal with it the rest Mm. of the season. San Antonio Sports Stars own Texas Rangers doc, Josh Jung, left thumb fracture. It's They're on fire right now. We're in August. Could we see him in September, October? Yeah, usually those, even with surgery, I don't know if he's having surgery or not, um, even with surgery, you're looking at probably six to eight weeks. That's what they're the saying. Most. That's what they're saying. Yeah, which is. Which is, uh, you know, it's early August, so end of September, middle September. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back fully functional. He is Dr. Jason Garrett of Aras. He stops by every week as we talk about how you can get yourself out of pain as fast as possible. Hey, Doc, glad to have you back in San Antonio. Glad you traveled safe. We look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Dr. Thank you. Jason Garrett of Aras. Don't let pain keep you from doing things that you love. Call Aras today. They'll get so, you fixed. So Titus Howard, offensive tackle for the Texans, if it was week six, he'd be playing. Yeah. You'd think, and you'd, like you said, a big old <laughs> club. And the good news is, how are they going to call him for holding? He's only got a club. You know, you just make sure he's on which hand? He's a left tackle? He is a right tackle. You want to have No, that he's up. right, because left is tunsil. Yeah, you yeah, want to right. have that right hand free. Yeah. I hope it's not his right hand broken. Hey, we're going to come back in the 9 o'clock looking at your Dallas Cowboys. It was not a good day of practice at all. A couple of injuries happened, three interceptions. There was some good news regarding a defense. And, uh, well, we'll talk about number RB2. There might be a separator. Dallas Cowboy talk coming your direction. Hold on tight. This is R&R, and you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Rob Thompson. You don't believe the other way in transition to the left hand slam. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? Begin each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning! Hey, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. It's R&R here on the Star. Easy E driving a boat. In fact, he just handed me some tickets. 
You want to go see the missions next Tuesday night? Of it course. is a two dollar Tuesday kind of an evening on August the fifteenth, and we're going to smack the Midland Rockhounds around. You want to go? Hold on. In about fifteen minutes, I'll tell you what. As soon as you hear about the Golf Club of Texas, be ready to dial. Bet that. I'll just just warn you for that. So yesterday in practice, as we've really hit the dog days of training camp, these guys are now into two and a half weeks. They're in their, what, sixth padded practice yesterday? I don't, they only get 10. They only I don't get know. 10, so they're running low on that. They're going to break practice today and get ready for Dallas and Jacksonville on Saturday. Today might be a day off, so yeah. we might not hear from McCarthy today. Well, we'll hear from them. We just won't hear from players, gotcha. I don't think. No, they get those... McCarthy got something to say, and I'm sure we want to ask about what went that went down yesterday. So, so do you want to start with the bad news or the good news? Is there which way do we want to go on this? I only oh, know gonna, about the bad news. So we're going to be uh, there. There was a Mozzie. Mozzie was out. Biotis was out. Dak threw three picks. What was what's the good news? Uh, Tell me. Parsons, Let's start with the good news. Uh, the, the pundits are telling us that the Cowboys are going to be the 85 Bears on defense. That was the good news yesterday. No, the good news yesterday was the defense. Picking off three balls off of the number one offense in the NFL over the last couple of years. That's the good news. This defense is measuring up to the best offense in football. I'm going to come to Dak's defense. Stop the press. Hey, everybody hitting the brakes. And text message line coming in. Did Tom Brady have interception during practice? Yes, he did, but he had Super Bowls to go with him, so no one cares. Nice try. Um, Now, a couple of those picks, Rob. Two of the three. Dak was under duress. Yeah. So, real game he sacked, by the way, so you don't get the throw to interception. Well, if they were playing the 85 Bears, because that's who they're going against. All all, all I'm saying is, from the times, I watched three practices last week, and then I watched the replay of these three. Defensive line been killing the offensive line, but Zach Martin's not there, and guys are moving around, and they're trying to, you know, they're figuring things out on the offensive line. So, it's not Dak's fault again. Never. Three interceptions. Never measures up. Now, a couple of them, we, I saw the video of all of them. I don't know what went on them. I will say one Those of them was a hell picks. of a play of Trayvon, by Trayvon Diggs. I thought, and a great read by LV. And LV was just in the, uh, they were in a good defense and he read the play. That, that's on Dak, I think. But look at this one. Let's look, look. See, Mike is bearing down on him. In the real game, it's not an interception. You know why? Because he's picking himself up off the dirt, and eighty-one needs to go play some defense when that ball's hanging up out there. But again, you know, I'm just gonna—I'm not—I'm not saying that Dak's perfect, but he's never made a mistake. The uh, the tough news coming out of camp, and this isn't awful, but whenever your center is hurt and you don't really have a backup, Tyler Biotis did roll an ankle. Uh, everybody said he wanted to get back in the game. Uh, let's wrap this guy in bubble wrap, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Oh, I just found out why Mike is having such a good camp. Josh Ballsbacher. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think that there's the subtext of a storyline that's developing that we have really not paid enough attention to over the years because the assumption was when you got Hall of Famers like Zach Martin and you got Tyron and you've you've drafted that this offensive line is great that this offensive line just because of what we've been told and all that has been better than they are. And I think we're finding out that they're not great, that they're just average. And average means when you're, that your quarterback is going to deal with some issues. And maybe this is why McCarthy read the writing on the wall a year and a half ago and said, we can no longer do this because my quarterback's going to get killed. We're going to get a mobile. We're going to get a moving because a lot of mobile, a lot of movement. Now, maybe that's because it's new and they're really working on it. Like Rudy said, he's under duress a lot.
Yeah, that was Thursday stood out the most to the point where, you know, the Blitz did four hours on how bad the offensive line looked. But they, they should be bad. Zach Martin's not there, and Tyron Smith is trying to stay healthy. Well, one of the ways you augment that offensive line is one, maybe a blocking tight end, and we've got one coming and one going. I don't know who's going to land there, but also to protect your quarterback is your running backs, those that stay in to protect that blitz. Zeke made a living on yes. that, maybe the best in the NFL for a couple of years. He did not let number four get hit very often. Pollard was the other side of the coin on that. Ugh, Pollard, Pollard was – it wasn't that Pollard couldn't block Robbins. He always picked the wrong dude. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, bro, that worse. ain't who you're supposed to block, dog. You're right. I remember one sack in particular we, where he took the inside dude and he's like, dude, that was wrong. Yeah, what are you doing, Pollard? But we do have three running backs, two primarily, that are fighting for RB2 that did kind of separate themselves. And uh, Mike McCarthy, I think, is in a pretty good situation right now. This is what he had to say about his uh, Rico Dowdle. Uh, all the little things. I think him and Malik are very similar as far as how they, you know, their inside run ability, uh, their ability to, to read blocks, anticipate the second level. So I like that about him. Rico has probably had uh, some of the most impressive pass pro pickups so far this camp. And, pass you know, pro. we tend to forget Rico, you know, scored a touchdown on a kickoff return, you know, as a rookie. I mean, he's, you know, his second level running is, I always felt exceptional. I mean, he's a young man that had some injuries he had over, overcome and, um, I think we're just seeing a healthy Rico. A healthy Rico. That and that to me, I think Rob and I both agree that's gonna that's probably what's mm-hmm. gonna be the determining factor. When you pretty much have the same skill set, when you hear Mike McCarthy say, you know, Malik and Rico are a lot alike as far as their patience and being able to be you know, hit the hole and get to the second level. Who is going to protect Dak better is probably who's gonna be the second the guy behind Tony Pollard. Because again, I now they're not gonna be Zeke. Again, Zeke, if it was just a Hall of Fame just for pass pro, since we're going to be cool, if it's going to be, you know, just a Hall of Fame just for pass pro, Zeke be in. (laughs) So it could get you on the field. It's important. As good as uh, the defense is or could be, who knows? Yeah. We can all agree that Micah, even by the NFL network who calls him the 11th best player in the league, is the best player on the Cowboys. I was nine, right? I I had it wrong. I was nine. Well, either way, he's the best player on the Cowboys. And when your very best player is willing to throw some limelight to another player, you're always happy with that. But I want to talk about what Micah said about the loss last year. You know, sometimes... To San Francisco, right? Yes, the the last game. Because think about what the last loss did to the Spurs against Miami that next year. It lit something unlike anything that they had ever dealt with before. And for a year, it was a revenge tour, and it paid off. Was that loss to San Francisco that difficult to the entire team? Because it it damn near killed Micah. Man, to be honest with you, it ain't really hit me till we hit the locker room. The thing that people don't realize, like, that team will never be the same again. Like, them same guys, same coaches, it'll never be the same again. And, like... I was so devastated realizing, like, I ain't never talked or hugged some of them people that, you know, I left that, that locker room with ever again. Like, once we broke out of meetings, I never talked to George Evers again. I never got to say to him how much Man. I appreciate you from, for molding me and helping me as a young player and staying on me. Like, I never got to say thank you to the people across the room who helped me and gave me advice. Like, and, you know, that, that feeling right there crushes you, bro. Like, there's no feeling like, let, like feeling like you let people down and that regret too. I think about all the plays I ain't missed. Like 
every play, they're like there's certain plays I think about that I'm like, man, I wish I'd have just did this. Like I know that was my job, that was my duty. Like, and you know, you live with that for so long. If you were really a competitor, like everyone's not built like that. But me, like that stuff weighs on me, bro. It's like a little heart attack. Micah never yeah. goes away, man. Yeah. Dude, never the, goes away. The pivot guys, Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, Channing Crowder. I, I mean, I, there's plenty of guys that have played that don't get the responses they get. I don't know. Ryan has a way of way of asking you stuff because, like, I, that's the most I've heard Micah say ever about himself. Yeah. Yeah, he'll lob some angry yeah. tweets, but not about himself. Yeah, yeah but that, so that's a good job. But I remember it's. I you know what? I don't know where you went, but I remember seeing the pivot there. Mm-hmm. They did that interview at camp. Oh, they did. Yeah, they was at camp on the field. It was like about a forty. It's about a forty. It, you, I advise you to go listen to it, Rob, after the show. Some good stuff in there about him, even Micah trying to balance being a player. A dad and a husband. He's like, I'll get no time. Welcome to the party, Micah. <laughs> he was like, wait, you mean to tell me? He looked at Ryan and said, wait, you mean to tell me I don't get any me time? No. <laughs> Call me when you're 50. <laughs> but no, um, I'm glad it sits with them. The law, you should hate losing more than you like to win. Do you? And I'm. And it, it sounds like Mike is one of those guys. I'm, I can't imagine what it's like to be those guys. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, di- it's different level to it because they have been successful, you know, in so many plays and doing so many things all of their lives that those few mistakes must just haunt. I, I, I've made mistakes, and looking back, and it, some of it's on a field, some of it's in business, and I'll wake up and you just, oh, how did I manage to do that? And it never goes away. Um, and watching the quarterback thing, Jalen Hurts' screensaver is the confetti falling on mm-hmm. him leaving the Super Bowl. Um, I think of Kobe hanging up the airball newspaper clippings. You know what I mean? And there, so there, those type of losses. I like you. You're right, Rob. They will wake him up out of your sleep. Because again, I I have it on the on a little bitty ass high school level, so I can only imagine a pro level because you don't those opportunities. You know. There's a good chance. There's a better chance you never get back right. than there is of you getting back. And even after you win, those losses still hurt. Those mistakes still hurt. Now, when your best player is willing to share the spotlight, to let us behind the scenes and say, yeah, I know who I am, but you need to know who he is. Right. Listen to what Micah said about Leighton Van Der Esch, the Wolf Hunter. Mm, he's the most important piece. Um, that's one person Wolf that Hunter, I'm baby. super excited to have back. You talking about someone that knows and commands the defense inside out, making sure everyone's lined up. Um, attention to detail. The what, what he puts into the game can't be replicated. I mean, he got a chance to work with Sean Lee, and I just felt like Sean Lee just rubbed off on him. Every bit of his game just reminds me of how he runs to the ball, his aggressiveness, how he just asserts everyone, gets everyone lined up, his willingness to move around. I mean, learn, he's learning to pass rush now, believe it or not. He is no more a rundown linebacker. He's a pass rusher. So, Easy you know, there, uh, seeing Layton's growth, having him back, seeing what he's been adding to our defense has been just extraordinary. Micah yesterday talking about his linebacker room. Uh, what is a wolf hunter? Well, remember he got that nickname because, in fact, he did, in fact, wolf hunt wolves. Boys, he stayed up there in Idaho, running around the rocks, shooting. Why do y'all? Why are you hurting God's creatures? Because they're menaces. Are they like hogs for us? Um, no, they're not a nuisance species. I I don't know why you'd want to shoot a wolf unless it was 
No, it's, unless it they must eating. be doing something. Well, yeah, unless they something. don't, because you're not going to kill two wolves and take a picture with it like LVE has. Like they must do something that allows you to kill them. Well, you don't I, just get to kill animals without getting too deep into it. No, okay. I mean the reason we sh- the reason deer hunters shoot deer is there's too many of them. Right, and and I think you shoot a wolf when there's a certain you know there's a certain amount of land that a that can sustain a pack of wolves, and if they're going to be on a, a a national park, there's no place else for them to go. So there's a solid number of them. So you probably got to so you got to shoot you, a couple. To make sure that everybody stays healthy is my guess. But, yeah, he got that wolf hunter thing back when he got drafted. That's gone away, though. But for a couple of years, that was kind of a big deal. You have to ask R.J. Ocho about the uh, wolf hunter call. Oh, okay. But oh. To, to, call, to give the guy the credit, you know, just LBE. Why are you so impressed with that? Because it would be so easy for us just to say it's Micah. And it's it, it, it is it's Trayvon, and yeah, the, there's the big guys, and then there's the blue collar guys, and LVE has become a blue collar guy. But I, I, we've watched what's happened with Layton. Remember, the neck almost ended his career, oh, yeah. and then last year, with every passing game, he got better, and he played better, and he got healthier. And now, you have to winning teams have to have a guy like that on both sides of the ball that just is not the, necessarily the coach on the field. He's the team parent. You got to be here. You got to be here. This is what's going to have to happen. And th- and he is in the right place at the right time. I love when I see the, my star players, these star players share behind the scenes and say, "Yeah, I'm great, but I'm great because of what he does." But it's also Micah being a leader. Yes, that's yeah, he's exactly a leader also. it. Right. He's he also- is the leader saying, "This guy needs some love too. We are this good because not just me, not just D-Law, not just Trayvon, not just Gilmore, but guys like this, yeah. guys like Sam Williams." And they're kicking the offense's ass. Day Todd in, Archer day told out. us yesterday. This was even before yesterday's practice. Remember, we talked to Todd Archer yesterday at this time? Just about exactly. It was around this time. Yeah, it was around this time. And so that was, what was that, Tuesday? So he was saying Monday was the defense's best practice. Then they followed that up with Tuesday's practice where they intercept Dak three times. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a, I'm a pump the brakes. I know, I know what I'm seeing and I know what I saw in person. I'm impressed. I'm going to wait till the real games. But I I know what I'm seeing, and I am highly, highly impressed because Micah does look better. And then now you got lock and key. That's what I'm calling them. And if you hear anybody else saying that, you let me know. He said it first. He said it first. Gilmore, Diggs, lock and key. Which is the lock and which is the key so we can delineate? The lock is going to be Gilmore. Gilmore, Yeah. The key is going to be Trayvon because Trayvon gets those, you know, those little. little, Like yesterday, the snag deep balls. Yeah. Lock and key, Gilmore and Diggs. Your safeties are dogs, and they play downhill. I know what I'm seeing, Rob, and I and I don't want. I just don't want to get too excited yet. Over you don't want over to admit the kick. fact. You don't want to admit the fact <laughs> that the Cowboys what? have managed to put together a pretty damn good defense, and they're gonna be really, really good. Your I Chicago Bear refuses to allow you. To let the Cowboys have a good defense. Why Why are you so not on the – like, there are I've four called, all pros on this team. I'll call – hey, I gave them that credit. You, you just said you're holding back. What do you mean? They intercepted the number one offense in football oh, three times it. yesterday. They have owned this offense all preseason, all all training camp. I think Except the offense one had day. one that, good day. That was last Tuesday. 
Last Tuesday, the offense kicked their ass in mojo time. And yes, Darrell G on YouTube, I did see the first thing the first take led with. It was Dak interceptions. They always <laughs> they always lead with the Cowboys. So why wouldn't we? Now one of them was a deep ball to Diggs. And maybe some of this offense, as McCarthy has said, they're you know, they're working. You gotta the take deep some ball. chances here and there. And and that defense allows you to take those chances. It does. When you have a defense that will erase a mistake. You can take a chance or two that or you might you not could, have been or willing you could to take. protect them, Rob, and let them get their rest. Because remember, that was a thing for McCarthy as well. Complimentary he, football. He wanted them to be able to, hey, you know what? Put things in place and let's let's sustain some drives and let's let the defense be well rested and let's let them be the eighty five Chicago Bears. And you know that'll fall directly on McCarthy because you're picking the plays, baby. Yes, yeah, on you. No longer able to complain be about your OC. My guy. 635, I want to give away some tickets uh, in just a minute. But at 635, we're going to hear from Greg McElroy. He's got some thoughts on has the uh, college football world continues to shift around. There are a few pieces left. Notre Dame, while it's not an active piece, could be. And is Florida State going to get out of the ACC? We're going to hear from him, uh, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC and commissioner of all things football all over the world, if you hear from him. And could the Big Ten and the SEC just separate out? In the next couple of years. We're going to talk about that in a few. Cocky SOBs. I'm telling you. They're feeling pretty good about themselves. The uh, Go sit up on the top of the hill when the breezes are blowing. Yeah. Have yourself a cold drink. There's no prettier <laughs> bar. That outdoor bar sitting you with the breeze see, you, blowing. How far can you see? Seriously. No, it's a, it's I, a 20 mile view. You, you can see a long. It is as pretty as there is out there. That's Golf Couple, Texas. Easy drive out on the west side of town. That's where we're playing. You go out there. Trust us. It's yeah. a fun place. And you'll thank me later. Yeah, let's uh let's talk about <laughs> talk about the west side of town. The missions play over there on the west side of town for now. We might be building Ooh, up a new stadium. We might be building up a new stadium down there in the hemisphere. I'm just saying it might be coming. But if you want to go to the old one on August the fifteenth, which is a Tuesday, which means it's two dollar Tuesday, jump on your device. Six five six three seven seven six six five six ESPN. Color number six. I don't know why I chose six, but six sounds like a good number to I me. I like six. Color number six, work them, Edwin. I'm gonna go check out a $2 Tuesday kind of night with our uh, championship quality missions taking on the Midland Rockhounds. $2 Tuesday and play. You'll be there if you're caller number six. I don't know what to make of where the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and Big 12 are going to be in 10 years. I just read, and the reason I, I say that, and we're going to talk about it in a second, is I just read somebody I respect, and I don't want to bring it up yet because I'm going to. That says that said all this that has happened in the last week is temporary. That the migration will go back west. Mm -hmm. There's no way that college football can stay like this, where it essentially stops with two schools in in California, two schools. That's it. That are that are have any significance in the world of college sports. At a state that size, the talent of that size, there's no way that we'll migrate back. That some of those teams that left are going to find out the travel is just too much. That we just can't afford to fly across the country every freaking week, week after week after week. And we're talking about the swim team. We're talking about the lacrosse team. I'm not talking about the football team. Yeah, I forget about I, I forget about um, the the tennis guys and girls and the golf and. Yeah, you're right. Lacrosse and gymnastics and the volleyball. You know what's a good question? So who asked me this? A couple of those Cali schools have beach volleyball. Yes, that's dead. Yeah. Who are they going to play? <laughs> Who's UCF? There's no beach. Wait, 
You mean to tell me there's no beach volleyball in Wisconsin? You well, only in <laughs> in the month of June. It gets up to about sixty. We can st- we can take our pants off and wear shorts. Other than that, no, it's ice volleyball. It's kind of like the uh, play courts. They yeah. play ice volleyball. Just another way to prove you're great. No, I do believe that this. There is a strong possibility that what we're seeing happening now isn't long lasting. That the finances of of the or the economics of just playing now are well, going to be. When you look at it, because you got to think about more than the big dogs. We're not talking about USC and UCLA. Their funds are going to always be there, no matter what. You're talking about the middle of the road teams that aren't as well funded. Rutgers, Rutgers, and the Big Ten. Rutgers is going to have to travel to UCLA, USC, and I'm not. I'm not worried about the football team. That's a one week flight. But you start getting your badminton team having to get on a plane. You're paying twenty thousand dollars for a weekend or just the flight to get your badminton team to yeah. USC. Then you start thinking, is it worth it? Is it worth the money? Is it worth the expense? Even though we got our bank account is pretty, we're it just what state ain't is worth Rutgers it. in? Right? They are the State University of New Jersey. Oh my gosh, that's right. So I think that the economics will f- start falling right. on these ADs' heads in about a year or two when they're scheduling. You know, my 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 women's volleyball team from UCLA is going to spend the next week on the road. They're going to go play Tuesday night in Wisconsin. They're going to play Thursday night in Pennsylvania, and then they're going to play Saturday in Michigan, and then they're going to come home. You're going to send them off for a week on a regular basis, and that's every team. While they're bringing in millions, and they can certainly afford it, I think as they start looking at the logistics of this, we might shift back, and maybe we can take a deep breath. But here we sit. Well, but but when you sign these deals, you're like obligated for at least a few years, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So. They can't just so this come is going to be a lot. This is a ways down the road before the Pac-12 well, can possibly ever even think about being rebuilt. I'm so glad you asked that question because as we've watched all these dissolutions and then revolutions. Um, when the new conferences are being formed, they're forcing the teams to sign some pretty ironclad agreements that if you lose, leave, not only will you not get the money you're due, but you're going to have to pay us your home gate for the next 10 years. The kind of deal that all the guys in the ACC had to sign about eight years ago, that Florida State is desperate to get out of, that... Uh, uh, Clemson would love to get out of this grant of rights thing that they signed that they would give away their home gate to the rest of the conference if they were ever to leave that conference. Wow. So they're locking them in right now, and it'll be hard to get out. And if, when you do, when those logistics do start to fall on your head, there might be some questions to ask. We're going to talk about that next. Hang around with us. This is R&R, and you're on 941 San Antonio Sports Star. All guests appearing on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star appear on the Buyers Barricades guest line. Buyers Barricades provides traffic control rental and sales for San Antonio and beyond. Online at buyersbarricades.com. Good morning, everybody. Joe Reinigle here. Coming up at 2 on The Blitz, Johnny Manziel's documentary on Netflix dropped last night. Did you see it? We're going to react to that coming up. And Dallas Cowboys training camp continues as the boys get ready for preseason game number one. Hey, Rob, Rudy, Will Greer, can he be Dak Prescott's replacement? Did Cooper Rush, did Cooper Rush retire? Replacement? Right. Maybe at when an he award said, ceremony. So, you know what? Hold on. He didn't say backup. Now I got to relist. I, I got to relisten to the question. He said replacement. I think he was punch drunk. I Maybe think it was the end of the day. You know what it is? He saw those three picks. 
Oh, that was it. He called it over. See, this is in the afternoon. This was after practice. Oh, you it. see what I'm saying? Jack's done. Yeah, that's it. Get him up out of there. Now, in Will Greer's defense, did you see he made one throw? They have this like skills contest while they're oh, on okay. camp. Yeah, yeah. He put one in a bucket from about 30 yards that was pretty impressive. I mean, it was no. a dude perfect kind of a thing, but. No, the drill that I saw all three of them doing last week, and I was just like, man, I got to stop talking crap about backups. They put this net on the goalpost. And they put a red square, a blue square, and a green square. And the quarterback's coach will say, all right, go red. And all three of them from about 15, 20 yards out are just dropping it into this square. And I'm like, damn, y'all pretty damn good. They've done it. They've spun it a, a time or two. <laughs> yeah. they, they seem to have done this before. Uh, listen to uh, Greg McElroy. He is uh, ESPN's NCAA football, does a lot of work there, and we do – respect what he has to say regarding the things that have happened over the last 36, 48 hours. I think Notre Dame is definitely, it's the last ditch effort. It's the Hail Mary, if you will. And, you know, with touchdown Jesus, that feels like an appropriate reference. I think when I look at what Notre Dame is right now, though, they're in the midst of already negotiating their next deal with NBC. And NBC yeah. owns exclusivity over Notre Dame home games. So what's going to be more valuable to Notre Dame? An alignment with ESPN, the ACC, or an alignment with, say, the Big Ten, who NBC is already in business with? So I think from a business standpoint, yeah, it would make sense if Notre Dame were to join the ACC. But I don't see why Notre Dame would do it. That's what my whole beef has been this whole time. Like, if Notre Dame you know, decides to team up, it would be with the Big Ten. They laying their hat on football. Like, the ACC. There is, and the other thing why Notre Dame wouldn't do that, there's still some uncertainty about the ACC. Yeah. Now, if they arrived, that the uncertainty would end. If, the, if, oh, gotcha. if Notre Dame landed, ACC is good. We're good. True. We got our dudes. They'll have three title-contending types in Florida State, Clemson, and Notre Dame. They'll still be moderately respectable in basketball and all those other sports, baseball as well, they'll be able to contend. So if Notre Dame landed there, it would save them. Big Ten don't need them. I think they would so like them. So then why don't the ACC go all in for Notre Dame? I, I think that they're – I don't know why. I, I, I think that they would love that. But like McElroy just said, Notre Dame has complete control. They get to keep every penny they negotiate. They ain't sharing money with anybody. So while the deal might not look as big, they they get to sell the home game rights to NBC or whoever chooses, and they get to play on the same network as the Big Ten, and they'll make more money because they get to keep all of their TV deal, and I bet it's more than $50 million a year. Just a little bit. <laughs> so why would they leave? But my question is, if I'm Jack Swarwick or whatever, the, the, the AD there at Notre Dame, am I worried about my opponents drying up? Who am I going to play? See, because now because everybody has to stay in conference. Everybody's playing 9, well, 10 see, conference games. Who exactly is Notre Dame going to play on a regular basis? Now, this is the problem, Rob. And the committee, the committee is weird. Speaking of the college football playoff committee. Now that it's 12, and because Notre Dame travels, and because Notre Dame rates, and because Notre Dame is a walking money pile, the committee, even, At, let's say they like play. They're already on. They're, they're already going to be a four they seed. Could be, they could be playing four Mountain West, four, AAC, AA, four AACs, and four Big East. They're still going to let them in. Now, so if I'm Notre Dame, I'm getting to keep all my money, and I'm making the CFP. 
why join up? Now, let me ask you a question. This is this is interesting because if I'm in NBC and I know Notre Dame's going to draw, there are domers everywhere, and they're going to travel, and they're going to travel. But for NBC, I I just want to broadcast the home games. But if I'm negotiating a contract to broadcast Notre Dame home games for the next ten years, I kind of want to know who you're going to be playing. Fair. Fair. So if I'm NBC, I could come back to them and say, until you hammer out a schedule, we ain't talking. And if I Fair. don't like the schedule, go to ESPN. Dude, no, look, if, imagine if Notre Dame, how much more I would have more respect I would have for them, Wisconsin, Penn State, yes, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Oregon. Now I'm like, hey, Notre Dame, you got two, three losses. I can, I, I'll accept that. Like, don't run from that. Like, it, oh, it makes too much sense for y'all to be Big Ten. Don't run from that. I gotta bite my tongue here. I, I, I'm about. <laughs> Say I'm it. about to go Say full it. on anti Domer. Say it. Domer don't want none of that. They don't know what it's like to play a conference schedule. They get to play and choose their Hold games. On. They plug in Hold USC on. in December. They but play the week Michigan be- and yeah, USC. They right. play at Stanford. Right. Come once, on, Rob. Give once. Them. They play one tough game a month, and then they get two weeks to get better because they're going to go play Air Force, and then they're going to put in at Ohio State. Yeah, they'll play a tough one, and then they'll play a couple oh, of games against you know Dayton. I know, I see, they'll play Navy over in Ireland. That's why I can't talk Notre Dame with you. Because they you don't so, know what them so no, much. they don't know what conference is like. They don't know what it's like to wake up and play Bama okay. on this Saturday, Auburn the oh, next on. Saturday, one after another. Notre Dame can pick and choose. They always say, well, we play the best. Yeah, you played three of them once a month. So this year, Navy, Tennessee State, NC State, Central Ooh. Michigan, Ohio State. There you go. There's one. Duke. Nope. Louisville. Nope. USC. That's another one. Now we're in October. Pittsburgh. Nope. Clemson. No, and now we're in November. Wake Forest. Nope. Stamp. September, October, November, three games. See what I'm saying? They have no idea what conference play is like. They don't have to be that deep. They don't have to have yeah, all that. Yeah, because what I just read off, when I said Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Oregon, they don't want that. They don't want none they don't of want that. that. They, they don't want, want that. ACC. They want, they don't want that. a little taste of Duke, a little yeah, bit of North Carolina State, and then Miami. You know what you, I mean? You still a hater? But they don't want none of that. No. <laughs> but you are still a hater. For less money, I'll make less money and get my ass kicked more? No, I think I'll stay where I am. As long as NBC will allow it. And if you're NBC, how much money are you paying for this? Yeah, see, NBC, you, you, this is, no. You see, look, it put NC State, ABC. Central Michigan, Peacock. Peacock. <laughs> because that's a home game. Right? ABC's a roadie. All the NBC, the, all the NBC games are at South at Bend. home. So you're telling me at your home games, you're bringing in a bunch of slaps. So NBC only wants those home games because South Bend is a beautiful. It's 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 nothing like it. Well, no, the reason is they can't negotiate for Notre Dame's roadies because those home games are taken by other conference contracts. Okay, They're you. playing into other contracts. All they can negotiate for is it's Notre home Dame's games. home games because they don't have any conference games. So while they got to go to the Big Ten, man. If you want me to, I mean, first of all, who gives a damn about Rudy? But if you want, if Notre Dame wants my respect, go to the Big Ten. I've been screaming that for a decade, and I'm just because it's like because it 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 proves that their schedule is terrible when they get in the playoff because they've never seen nothing like Bama. The last few times they've been in the playoffs, they've gotten skull drugged. Mm. It's true. It's true, and that's why Brian Kelly was like, "I got to get out of here." He knows what we know. All that Brian Kelly and the head coach of Notre Dame has to recruit 22 starters. They don't need to be deep. 
You got a month to get healthy. Right. It's a lot harder to run a conference. It's harder to play. Yes. Schedule. Yeah, you're trying to play Ole Miss and then LSU comes to town. Then you got to go on a roadie to Arkansas. Pretty beat up. Now, next Thursday is a deadline for the ACC schools to announce what, what whether they are going to try to exit the ACC, not for next season, but for the following season. If on Thursday nobody tries to out, then we know for at least the next two years the ACC will stay where they are. But to leave, there is a grant of rights thing that the teams are going to have to try to get out of, which essentially says if you leave the ACC for X amount of time, you're going to have to pay your home gate back to the conference, even though you're not playing conference games. And then you're going to have to pay $120 million to get out. The bail money. So Florida State in Clemson, I get the sense that maybe North Carolina, there's a thousand lawyers looking for a hole in this, a way to get out. Don't you think? Why wouldn't you be? If Notre Dame ain't I, I, coming. And I feel like Clemson and Florida State are attached at the hip. And I think SEC would be more than happy to welcome them. And I think also on. the Hurricanes, while I, I, they, they've fallen off a little bit, I don't think they want to stick around the ACC without Clemson and Florida State. So to me, those three teams, you know, are kind of in a situation where like, hey, they're kind of watching each other, Rob. Like, if you leave, you call me because we're coming with you. Especially Clemson and Florida State. I'll leave. Let's leave Miami out the conversation because I don't mm-hmm. think they would. The SEC would add three, but I think Florida State and Clemson are strongly considered in, in having coffee and having lunch behind closed doors, and none of us know about it. I because I, there's not there's a reason Greg McElroy is saying these things, mm-hmm. and there's a reason why Florida State has been the first to kind of put their foot in the water, see how cold it is, and say we're not happy. We ain't happy with the money we're making. They when they've long been disappointed in their facilities. They've long wanted to upgrade them. And what's the best grade to upgrade your facilities? Go to the SEC and get sixty million. Get sixty million dollars. We'll continue looking at college football. You talk about a conference. <laughs> There's no getting out alive when you do that. You know, looking at the college football world is one thing because it's so absolutely fluid. I mean, this this it is a. Uh, it, it is definitely fluid. But we still, th- the usual suspects are still here. At the end of the day, where I'm going is, if we just took the SEC and the Big Ten, and just pulled those 40 teams, whatever we want to call it, 38 uh, teams, whatever yeah, it might be, whatever it is. could we call the champion of those two conferences a national champion? No. Because then you're leaving out Clemson, mm-hmm. and that's it. <laughs> I thought I was going to name off a bunch of teams. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but, let's say, come on now, come on now, Rob. I look, I get where you're coming from. I really do. Because really, at, in the grand scheme of things, Rob, the one, the final four. Let's say when we get to when we expand to twelve, the final four are going to be from those two conferences. Yes. So why what why are we prolonging the inevitable? Is that what you're asking me? Well, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, has looked at what's going on and is looking west and goes, there's no there there. Listen and to here Sankey. in the SEC, we wanted college football to be strong nationally, and we've not seen uh, a West of the Rockies participant in the playoffs since, I believe, 2016. And, and so the expansion was about making sure we brought in Western football. Well, now what's happened is Western football has come into other conferences. Uh, the net of that is circumstances have changed, and I think it's 
it's wise for us to take a step back and reconsider uh, what the format might look like given these changed circumstances. Uh, we've not met on that. I've not had any meaningful conversation. Oh, you haven't, huh? But, but I think we, we have to acknowledge meaningful. that it is on everyone's mind pending the outcome of some of these additional uh, membership movement pieces. Translation. We did the expansion so we could get USC into the 12. Well, damn. USC went to the Big Ten. So now, why would we guarantee the Pac-4 a spot in this expanded playoff? I'd rather give it to Cincinnati or Houston that have moved to the Big 12 given or give an extra spot to the sixth-place team in the SEC or the sixth-place team in the Big Ten. Why on earth would I give a spot to Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, or Cal? You like why? And, and and the word the key word is meaningful conversations. So you've had conversations about like, hey man, let's not give the Pac-12 a spot. But they haven't gone anywhere. They haven't progressed. They haven't got to a to a board. But you already talking with people. Sankey, who is the big dog on campus right now, he is. He's sitting at the head of the table when they all come to the table and they dine. He said, "Well, y'all sure y'all want to give one of these six spots, one of these spots to the Pac-12?" At this at this moment, no, and and sorry to y'all four, but no, no, because all you're gonna do is add Fresno State, you're gonna add San Diego State, you're gonna add a couple Mountain West teams, and it's gonna be no, at no, under no circumstances do we need to give the Pac-12 a guaranteed spot, not under these circumstances. And we've got some time to figure it out, and it might be this might be the opportunity to make nice with the less than power four. Which one? Maybe open up another spot for one of those other conferences that might not have had a shot. What, an AAC where UTSA lives? Maybe. I'm just saying there, there is a way to and maybe, and get in. maybe to appease those that are trying to just keep up. Just to open another spot. Hell, I'll take the AAC over the, over the Pac-4. Right now, absolutely we would. <laughs> right now, I don't think there'd be any hesitation there. So this might be the opportunity to open something up to... The AAC or the Mountain West or whatever. the Anything uh, but the Pac-4. When they do add new teams, if they, in fact, do manage to add new teams, they got to change the name, right? Dude, well, everybody. The Pac-12 The done. Big Ten is the Big 80. The SEC, at least they don't have a number. And the Big 12 is the like, Big 16 now. So... SEC, ACC did it right. I'm looking at the rundown of the Big 12. Have you seen the picture of that big kid from TCU, that 6'5", 450-pound cat? No, I haven't. Is he okay? Um, Just take a look at him. I'm, that's as big a football player as I've ever seen walk six, onto five, a 6'5", 455, playing for TCU. He's was he a, he a freshman? A, he's a guard? He's, <laughs> he's, he's got to be a he's guard. He's the left side of the line. He's both. Oh, I look. A six five is six five, but he still should be around three sixty. He shouldn't be no damn four fifty. Go look at the picture. I oh. think you, <laughs> he's a freshman. You're gonna you're, big. Gonna, they call him Big Bubba. It's gonna prove Big it. Bubba Ramsey big Brooks. Bubba. Big no, Bubba. No, Rob. Old, no. I'm looking at him. No. Yeah. That's no, it. that's not healthy. No, it's not. There's by the end of August, he'll have dropped thirty five, forty pounds. The reason it's scary, Rob, is because. He's headed for my 600-pound life if he don't make it to the league. I want to stay And title. I love that show. I can't watch Fat 
that kind I mean, of fat shaming. It's fat shaming, man. It oh, is. Yes, not. it is. You see, it's fat shaming. No, it's, it is. It is. Not. I feel so You're sorry for those folks. They're being, ma- they're, they're being. They're being. They're. They've become zoo animals. We're just gonna watch Rob. it. I just. I feel so bad for those Rob. people. Rob, it's not fat shaming. When you're trying to save. Hey, them. how big? You weigh six hundred. But you want to be on TV? Take your shirt off. Why don't you take your shirt off? And we'll put you on TV and we'll act like you're going to lose some weight. Uh, leave the crumbs on your chest. That's a good photo op. That looks good. I hate it, too, when they they show them getting like eight pancakes and 17 eggs and like a pack of bacon. And they just sitting in the bed and they just bring. And then like the, the enabler, the enabler like cooking eight pancakes and a pack of bacon for him and taking it to him and the camera's catching it all and you're like, well, damn, yeah. Yeah, you treat him like a zoo animal. Just throw food in there. <laughs> you know what? I can never have a serious conversation <laughs> with you. So Big Bubba Ramsey, somebody somebody on TCU, he's a freshman, Sonny Dykes, fix that. Fix that. He shouldn't be walking around at 450. I don't give a damn if he's 6'5 and it looks cool and he got a cool nickname. Fix that, Sonny Dykes. I cannot wait to get home to watch the Johnny football thing tonight. I got two you really things. Want to watch I'm it? Gonna, are you kidding me? Of course. He's, your, the big, he's your hero. He's the, he is the he Aggie is. right now. So, yeah, I can't believe I let a day go by. But also, hard knocks. It might be worth a look-see. I'll watch it just so I can see Aaron and talk about his, you know, his shrooms and stuff. But I guess you can't listen to the Blitz then. Because they're going to give the whole show away. I know they are. but so uh, you, Yeah, you know, they're going to give the whole show away because Jason Minnix was on it. Well, all I know is that with Hard Knocks, I will end up drafting on one of my fantasy football teams, a New York Jet. I'm just really curious to be to see which one it'll be. Like, Garrett Wilson would be a no-brainer, obviously. But I, Lazard? Somebody like that's going to end up, and I'm going to see him have a couple of highlights. Gonna he's going to have a great interview. Than everybody. Oh, yeah, he's going to have a great interview, and I'm going to like him, and then I'm going to draft him in, like, the third round. and. I'll end up cutting him or trading him for no value later on because that's what I do with hard knocks. Hard knocks, you always pick a sleeper. Like, nobody's going to know oh, about no, Yeah, him. nobody else saw hard yeah. knocks. Like, Austin Eckler was one I, I thought would be something that's a couple a good years. One, though. No, he got hurt right after that, that training oh, camp. Okay. Uh, what else did I get? I, got, I took the uh, Tampa Bay tight end that first year they did hard knocks. That was a mistake. Uh, what else have I done? O.J. Howard? It might have been O.J. Howard. No, I don't think that was him. It was another RB, another tight end that they took. So okay. it'll ruin my fantasy football uh, acumen, as it always How many does. leagues are you going to do this year? I, I, I don't think I'm going to play this year. I think I'm going to sit this year out. Unless we have to do a station one, then I'll play. Oh, we'll probably do a station one, but oh, it damn. won't matter. But the money ones, I'm down to two. I really, I like. I'm the only person in America that admits I suck at fantasy football. Oh, I admit it. I'm terrible. Okay, so although I, I still have see, a trophy we, from a year ago that I've never actually we turned keep over. it real here on R and R. We both. I, well, I, I think Rob just won it two years ago. I suck. I fell ass backwards into it. I really did. Uh, we do want to hear your fantasy football names. I love it always. Now that's good. Th- that that's fun. The uh, drafts are right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, we're. I'm Most a traditional, people do theirs on Labor Day. Uh, September weekend. the 2nd uh, will be our first uh, Aggie game. I believe that's the Saturday right before football. We are your home for the Aggies. We're your home for the Cowboys. We're your home for the Rangers. And we're expecting great things from all. Remember, the Cowboys play Saturday right here. It's always brought to you by AA Best Bell Bonds, Mother's Window Tent, Woods Comfort Systems, Ewok, Abode and Law Offices of Jesse Hernandez. Thanks for having, hanging with us. we got some work to do. We'll see you tomorrow.